Hello everybody, welcome to Optional Opinion here on the Nominous Radio Network. I'm your host, Eddie V. Thank you guys for joining me. I have a super, super special, amazing, like this is mind-blowing that I got this guy. We we talked so many times and we had so much deep conversation like he is amazing i love his instagram post he is a master of music i'm just finding more more stuff about him everybody please give it from ngr radio and platinum achievement podcast um mr matthew keel and ed what do you mean? All you have to do is ask. You know I'm always up to talk with you. Well, yeah, but you you work in 16 hours like you did I'm, last oh, week. Oh, man. Don't talk about my work schedule. It'll just make me tired. Did you know I was at home praying for you for strength? I'm like, how in the world? Like, I felt like I'm at home on vacation. Be like, yeah, I have six more hours to go. Um, It's six o'clock at night. What you talking about? Six more hours. Well, if it makes you feel any better. Uh, the day after I worked 16 hours, I got off work at midnight that night, went back to work at the hospital at nine, worked till four. And then, so, so if you're, for those keeping score at home, that's 24 hours out of 36 that I worked. And about three hours after I got home and, and mid, mid dinner, might I add, I, uh, I, I passed out and I slept for 27 hours. So, that happened. <laughs> yes, yes. But, but let me let me tell you, I am, I am honored to be involved in, in this because I, I've, I mean, I, I've been a, I've been listening um, as long as as long as I've known you, Ed. Because after before I met you on Corey's thing, yes. before it was really NGR, um, I. Did I, I just wasn't aware, but like since then I've like come in. I'm like, wow! Not only does this guy put out a crap ton of content, a lot of it's really good, and the ones that the ones that aren't really good are still good. So yeah. you're very, you are you are a very busy and consistent man, my friend. I I need to get back on it. I just been so oh, lazy. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. You know, you got to take a break every so often. Yes, um, you got to take a break. Um. But yeah, no, I'm I'm looking at, like I, I'm finally someone is asking me about stuff I actually know about because uh, I do not know about video games, but I like me some music. Uh, yes. <laughs> so everybody, I have Matthew on this episode, which is titled "Music to Our Ears Throughout the Years." So we're going to be talking about '80s and '90s music and for video games. But we're also going to be talking about music in general, our personal taste. Matt has an amazing uh, playlist. He is so deep and knowledgeable about music. If you check DNA Network or you just check NGR Radio uh, on Facebook, you will see some of his playlists. Um, he has great blogs and detailed writing. Like he is a, to me personally, he's a historian of music. And I love music. Eric, people know how, how much I love writing it, how, how I love arranging it, learning, trying to do different things. This man, he just has a library beyond the imagination. And he is so old school, so vital to the genre 
that he writes his stuff on vinyl. And I love, I love, and I love his vinyl player. Just how he got things set up. You, he just, he's so detailed, so knowledgeable that I, I'm just like, wait, that's a bit I never heard. Okay, this is a cut. Okay, I need to find him. <laughs> like, he makes me want to go buy more, buy support bands and support music that I have never heard. And he loves hip hop. So, and yes, everybody, he is a, he is a white dude. Who, yes. who I, I don't think he's white. I really think he's black. So, <laughs> you and John Martin, <laughs> like this man. Well, one time on, one time on NGR, you go, but you're so hood though, Matt. I'm like, what? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so I guessed on, um, and then we'll get to the show. Uh, I guessed on Life Is Gaming with Josh Brent and Chris. Okay. Okay. And so, uh, on one of the episodes, Josh had a sock over his, uh, over his mic and stuff. Like real hood, real ghetto. And I, sure. and I, and when I guessed on it, I was just like, Josh, the hood approves of you putting a, um, a sock <laughs> on the mic. Cause literally, if I didn't have it, a sock would have been on my mic right now and I would have been a proud of it. You yep. gotta fake it to make it sometimes. Exactly. I mean, I'm kind. Of, I kind of want to put a sock on my mic now that you're talking about it, uh, because if it's good, like like Josh Brandt and James Mikulajewski, like those guys are freaking awesome dudes. Yes, and I and um and I've been listening to them for like like probably since their fifth fifth episode, and yet, like I love their I love what they do, and 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 yeah, if, maybe if I put my mic. Maybe I put a sock on my mic. I'll probably be more like I kind of want to be like Josh now, except I can't grow a beard like he can. Oh, his beard is massive. His beard's majestic. Like, like he's he's a he, he's got a man's beard. Yeah. Well, Chris Chris has a man's beard too. I, I love Chris too. Like he is my Nintendo guru. I love him. Josh is oh, yeah. my PlayStation guru. But Josh yeah. has a. And shout out to Josh, Brett, Chris, and to James, everybody at Life is Gaming. Shout out yeah. to you guys. I love your podcast. Continue to do great work. Uh, subscribe to them on YouTube, uh, at Life is Gaming at Twitter. Plugging them early and stuff. Um, Josh has, Josh has that, uh, um, uh, what you call him that cuss wood? Um, lumberjack. A lumberjack. He has that, that lumberjack look to him. But his he is just so awesome. Like I just oh, yeah. love his positive positivity, and he's just everything. Now, if I could just go down there, he could give me a massage for his athletic or whatever he is. Okay, that's that's a that's a bit okay. I that's a you're 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 crossing. No, I'm kidding. You're not no, I need my, I need my. Neck. I want a massage from Josh too. If that's right. what he does, I don't know. I think he's in physical therapy though. I think so, yeah. Correctly, I'm pretty sure he's in physical therapy, which is, you know, makes the muscles stronger. So, as a, as a, as a fellow healthcare worker, go see Josh Brandt for physical therapy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but as normal as we get off the topic. <laughs> but, well, I mean, and, and see, and, and I just, I just want to say, you know, I live, in, I live in a city that's full of, of hipsters. And, some some are good, some are bad, some are tolerable, some are just super shitty. But I like the fact that when like there are people with like shirts that say, um, if you don't if you don't if you don't know how to like 
you know, if you don't know how to hunt or like skin a deer for food or whatever, um, you could, you should shave off that beard. When I look at Josh, I feel like I don't have to ask. I feel like he knows. Yes. Like, like his beard is, has that kind of credibility about it. You just don't question. Yes. Like it's that, that is, that is a man. That is, that is a, that is man's facial hair right there. And can I tell you, I think if he ever cut it off, I wouldn't recognize him. I would have been like, Wait, who are you again? I put, because that smile that he has, that's, that smile, like, I don't care. I, I could be a blind man and point out that smile in a lineup. Yes. So, I mean, and, and then, you know, once he starts talking, he has that warm voice. It's like, oh, that's Josh Brandt because he's so <laughs> welcoming. <laughs> We've gotten really weird about Josh. Yes. But Jace and Chris, we lo- I love, like I said, I love you guys. I like, I, I hopefully I could come, we could come to, on your show and just nerd out with you guys once again. Uh, so check out the episode that I'm on. Uh, we talk about our sports games and I run through a gamut of lists and just nerd out the small sports games. <laughs> More arcadey sports games like Tecmo Bowl, which we'll probably talk throughout this episode. But you mean good sports games. Yes. Like okay, NBA good. Gym, when that came out, yeah. dude, arcade. When Arch rivals, like, yes, yes, yes. Base wars, you like some base wars? Base wars is weird because I think I was so stuck onto uh, baseball for Nintendo and RBI baseball. Yeah, uh, well, our RBI base, RBI baseball was really good, but like, I liked, um, I liked the fact that, and if you got caught out at a base, you weren't just out; you had to like f- the two robots had to fight. Yes. <laughs> Yes. It's like, oh, I'm out, huh? No, we're throwing down, son. (laughs) And that dickhead with the wheel. Oh, the the guy, the robot with the wheel. The guy was an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, yes. Like, you know, you have this guy that's a giant tank that should be able to just roll over that little idiot. But no, the guy with the wheel always wins. And I didn't... Stupid Nintendo Paper Scissors Rock sports games. Oh, I love that. I love that. But, oh yeah. <laughs> but before we go on um, and we start actually talking about the topic, um, Matthew, give us some background inf- background information. Give us some of your gaming background or even your music background. Let's learn um, more about you. Well, um, okay. Well, I'll, I'll 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 spare the I'll. I'll do the music first just because I feel like it's easier. Um, I do not play an instrument. I do not know how to, I do not know how to read music. I don't know anything about the theoretical side of it. However, I've been super, I've, I've thought about music for a very long time ever since I was a kid. And I was eventually a music critic from 2005 to 2010 at mixdown.com. A job that I sincerely miss and wish I could go back to, but sadly I cannot. Um, and then, uh, you know, and so I've sort of, and I miss writing about music, so that's why I've sort of revived my muscles either through blogs or or Tumblr or, you know, Corey's sort of given me uh, a, a venue at ngrradio.com, which I am trying to use more of, but work is doing its best to stay in my way. Uh, but I, I, I love listening to music. I love thinking about it. It is the rhythm to my day and, and I could not picture, like I could lose every other sense other than my hearing. 
and still be okay. If I lost my hearing, I might commit suicide. Oh no! <clears throat> so uh, I, I want to. I try and protect my ears at all costs. Um, gaming is. Uh, it, I like most people in in my generation. You know, I'm 37. I was given a Nintendo on my seventh birthday, and in that day, I received. Uh, the control system, the control deck system that had two controls, uh, Super Mario Brothers, and uh, the four games I received, I, I got Zelda. Mm -hmm. um, I think I got Kid Icarus that day, too, and Metroid. So those were the four games I had when I got the system. Um, and since then, like, it's that's just where that was that was a, a sort of bedrock like this is how you this is how you get a kid into video games you give them four pretty decent touchstones of of 80s gaming culture that tap into the imagination in very different ways um i mean the original legend of zelda like not only is that one of i still remember opening i still remember opening that present that was just shaped like the box and then and and that was like that was the second present i opened because the biggest one was my nintendo and i'm like i want the biggest one first <laughs> right <laughs> because i'm seven and don't know any better bring me the big one um and then i open i open that and it's it's the legend of Zelda. i'm like ooh, and because i didn't know any better i'm like hang on on the next present and i actually opened up the box and i saw the gold cartridge and that was one of the few like non-religion religious moments i've ever really had where I was just, it was like it was like arthur pulling excalibur out of the stone <laughs> it's like whoa it's gold <laughs> like right. and you know and you know a, a love affair began um now i was pretty fierce into nintendo for a very long time um i actually had a Genesis before I had a Super Nintendo, but I got, I got both sides of that argument. Um, and then, and then I, I ended up getting a 64. I didn't get super into any of the others, but I, I loved, I loved my Nintendo 64. I loved Mario 64. I loved Ocarina of Time. Uh, I loved, I liked pilot wings. I was always the weird pilot wings guy. Mm -hmm. Um, and about this time, I bought my first computer, and I would PC game as well. So I, I was super into Diablo. I really liked Doom. I really liked Quake. I really liked uh, a lot of those. A lot of those early defining first person shooters. I did not play Half Life though. So crucify me later. Um, no, you're fine. And then, like through PlayStation One and and Two, I started to like I, that was at, at a time where I was working like as a or I was in I, well at PlayStation One era I was in college, and then I eventually left college because I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up, um, and you know I started working so I was working full time and throughout the PlayStation one and PlayStation two era and the PlayStation two era sort of was almost the end of gaming for me just because I had, 
it, the last real game I was super into was Shadow of the Colossus. Yes. And, you know, it was 2005. I had just become a music critic and, I, and you know, I was very serious about uh, my girlfriend at the time who would eventually become my wife and uh, eventually gaming at that point took sort of a, a backseat. Um, and then around 2010 or no, about two, well, 2009, 2010, like I had started to develop the itch to play FIFA again, cause I really liked the FIFA games. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, a, I, I've always been a big soccer fan or at least since 94, I've been a big soccer fan. So I, I picked up a, a 360 and, and was, you know, got, FIFA and then but like I played that a ton with friends and we had kind of gotten bored of playing FIFA together and so I just I actually walked into a GameStop one day and said you know what else is out here like I haven't been into games in a very long time or at least well by that standard I mean it was really four or five years but like it felt like forever and that was where the, the you know I actually I got that GameStop clerk that was the right mix of like super nerd mm-hmm. yet not yet not comic book nerd from the simpsons where he's like <laughs> where he's like oh you haven't been into games for this long oh you're missing out you might as well just give up he but he like he like said well here's some cool stuff you know this is he t- he showed me fallout 3 he showed me bioshock he showed me what else did he show me well, he showed me like four or five things. I ended up getting Fallout 3 and Bioshock that day based on his recommendations. And almost immediately after starting Fallout 3, I was back in. I was like, why have I not been doing this for this long? So um, so that that be, that became a thing. And then like I, I, was, I was a 360 gamer at that point, but... I wanted to find new ways to hear about games because I didn't know. I mean, I didn't know if Nintendo power was still being published. Yes, it was. And I had seen, you know, electronic gaming monthly and, you know, and, and throughout this time we had had like a Wii because we loved Wii sports. And I mean, who, who didn't, um, but like we, we we were casuals at best. Uh, so I start looking into I start looking into games on the systems I had, but I was led to like PlayStation Three by games like Little Big Planet and um, Infamous, and I mean even even Uncharted to a degree led me to PlayStation. But what really sealed me in buying a PlayStation three was I found out about a game called mod nation racers. And my, my buddy and I had love, we, we loved Mario Kart. We loved the shit out of Mario Kart. And when I saw a Mario Kart idea where you could create your driver, you could create your car, you could create tracks and you could download created stuff from the internet. I was like, this is a no goddamn brainer. I'm my next paycheck. I'm getting a PS3. I'm getting that game and I'm going to have me a time. Um, and I did. And I really haven't looked back since. Uh, 
but like now, um, I, I go predominantly towards, I mean, the easy, the easy thing is I predominantly go towards indie games, but I'm all, I also try not to be, you know, super dismissive of, of AAA. Like, I don't be like, oh, you keep your Call of Duty. I will play Spelunky because I have a very refined video game tape. No, I'm, that's not really what I'm doing. Um, I always look at games like my, my, my measuring stick is, does that look fun? If it looks fun, I'm probably in. I will at least give it a try. And, um, and sometimes the, the triplest of triple a looks fun. Sometimes the indies of indie looks fun, but I, I'm not going to out and out dismiss something because of how much money was put into it. So, um, and, and games and the one thing that has been, the one thing that is still constant after all these years of playing games is they're still fun to me. So, uh, and who doesn't like fun? If you, I mean, honestly, if you don't like fun, I, we're probably not going to be friends. Oh, I always love fun. Right? <laughs> right? And, and you know, even if I don't have fun, do a do a game. At least I got the experience, so I could talk about it, so I could bring it up in a discussion, have my research and stuff. And sometimes it it could be, even be stupid fun. Oh, but, oh, the stupider the better. Like I'll tell you right now, like my game of the year in in 2015 was Helldivers, and the reason it was Helldivers, you is know, that's because, on sale for uh, PS4 now. Um, I I bought it day one, dude. They, <laughs> um, I think on PS4 they have because they got a uh, PlayStation only sale going on, okay. and Hell Divers is one of it. I think it's like three or six dollars or something like that. Like, uh, anybody who anybody out there listening to this, if you want to play Hell Divers Infinite underscore Rewind on PS4, I will play some Hell Divers with you. Um, that game is the dumbest of dumb fun. <laughs> Not and and not because of anything that is built into the game. It's because the the aspect of the it it is the best chaos generator that I've ever seen, and mostly because of the simple fact that everything can kill you. You can kill you. You, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you drop a grenade and forget the and and forget that everything affects you. All of a sudden, you blew yourself up, and. You know, it, and it's even more fun when shit starts to get super tense and you have a, a party of two or three people with you and all of you are, are affected by friendly fire. So if you guys are on two opposite sides of an enemy and you're both laying into it, if that em- enemy jumps out of the way of your bullets, you guys have killed each other and you are either laughing or angry or probably both. <laughs> Most of the time, it's both. But at the same time, you are giggling enough that you're just like, okay, we're doing this again. <laughs> and, you know, and it's it was one of those things that if you tried to play it by yourself, there's fun to be had. But the sweet spot is having at least one or two with you to where you guys can you guys can even strategize as to how you should take something out or you can watch those strategies just go out the window when the right thing happens. I mean it's like it's like in when 
when the when the game Payday came out and people were talking about really planning their heists, mm-hmm. but then you always have that asshole who's in your party that the minute you guys get into the bank before you guys even held any bit, it's like, oh, we're going loud, guns <laughs> and and yeah, Helldivers is is a, is a beautifully chaotic experience, and I've rarely have I laughed that much at a game. Um, and I've talked enough. Let's talk about music, shall we, Ed? <laughs> yes. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're going to uh, talk about music to our ears throughout the years. And we're going to start with some video game music of the 80s. Well, of course, if we're going to talk about music uh, from video games throughout the 80s, and I am excluding Atari and Arcade from this discussion. I mean, we could talk about some arcade games, but because I feel like the arcade was so busy and so noisy, you really can't hear the video game music in there. Um, where when you're playing something on console, um, that music, that eight bit music becomes more memorable. And with Atari, definitely for me, I, I had Atari twenty six hundred, but not a not a lot of games have music on them. Um, so definitely for me, with- on, on I'm just to interrupt you. Go I ahead. will say that there's really only two iconic sounds, or no, there's there's probably more than that. But like the one that whenever you talk about music, game music, and the Atari, I think of the opening to Pac Man. That da 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 and then I think of uh, Defender, and it's just a sound effect in, De- in Defender. It's that yes, in De- and and that and that's really it. Like there were some, there were there were some games that tried to that tried to feign music, but a lot of it was just it was just not good. Yeah, but you know, I agree with you. I think. If you want to talk about video game music in the '80s, it kind of the discussion kind of has to start with Nintendo. Yes, and, and it has it has to start with specifically Koji Kondo and the two tracks from Super Mario Brothers. Yes, so like the, I, the the one one theme and the underworld, like that's that's the beginning, like that's game music. Yes, pretty much. I, and you just opened up the discussion because that's where I was going. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, Mar- super Mario brothers, um, not the Mario brothers that was on Atari, not that, not that one, but not Mario brothers when they became super. Yes. So super Mario brothers, um, the world one, one thing. And, uh, even kept, even give, getting the star on world one, one, like that, like, you could play a Mario game, and if you play that thing, everybody know. Pretty much everybody who who is into video games know that thing. Yep. Um, of course, the Legend of Zelda when you when you uh start the game after you put your name in. Dun, 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 dun. Yep. And even the title, <laughs> like listen to that. Yes. <laughs> the um, title music in Legend of Zelda is one of the like. If you were like me when you played that game and you just you just waited a little bit and you see the story start to go. Yes. Like and the music and the 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 title theme changes just enough to where it's just like it provides a nice little rhythm for you to read that text to. Yes. Um it's just I mean it was literally like yeah, we're getting you ready for an adventure, son. Get ready. And then the first thing you see is it's dangerous to go alone take this you're like all right yes i'm ready world (laughs) even metroid has is like just started off metroid um Mm -hmm. 
we, we, I would say more mostly Super Metroid when we get into 90s we'll talk about that because that's more um, I think that's more defining but Metroid did have some really good pieces to it I think more, oh, yeah. most people we might uh, remember Super Metroid um, this is going to sound funny but the soundtrack to Contra for the NES is like one of the okay Contra and Double Dragon for the NES probably has some of the most memorable music. Konami is well known for music uh in 8-bit. Like but if you mm-hmm. hear if you hear Contra, you know that you're in a good time. Like this is straight 80s B movie movie but the soundtrack is so good to that. And yeah, like there, there's, I mean, for being chip tune, like there's something metal yes. about about the Contra soundtrack. I mean, and, and you know, and we could, I, and you're right, Konami, Konami knew what they were doing with that chipset because Castlevania had good music. Yes. Um, oh, Simon's Quest. Oh goodness. Yeah, Simon's, I love Simon's that Quest soundtrack. had great music. Uh, and and yeah, like. I mean, I'm not I'm not going to be one of those guys that sits there and that sits there and goes and talks about all of. The, I mean, I love the chip tune music. I really do. Mm-hmm. However, as someone who really likes to listen to music, I don't think a lot of it is very headphone friendly. Yes. Um, now, I think I think the Koji Kondo discussion is interesting because if you look at how there's just the super Mario brothers theme and the underworld theme. Like there's something special about that, but it's not, it's not necessarily because it is, it is like pop music inspired or, or, or classical music inspired or arranged, but it, it's just the fact that it's the, it's, it's a very small snippet on repeat, but that, but the fact that it loops isn't jarring. It's not like, hey, we're starting over um, to the point where it, where it gets annoying. And I think in terms of like the gameplay that's with it, it's not obtrusive. It doesn't really get in the way. Now, like with Castlevania and, and the early Mega Man games and Contra and even Double Dragon, like those, those, those music, those pieces of music are – memorable enough but they but like i remember a lot of times where and this is probably just because i'm wired this way i would get lost in the music and then die because the music the music caught me that's not i'm not saying the music is bad because of that in fact it's probably too good yes but the 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 koji kondo balance to where it could, you could, you could definitely, you know, get down with the da 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 da. But and everything is sort of set to the pixelated Mario, just sort of moving, and it's a right tempo. I mean, and 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 as far as I'm concerned, as as stupid as it may sound, the best music in Double Dragon is the loading scene between each level. Yeah, exactly. It's like, just like, yeah. Can I'm gonna, I, can I, I'm gonna whoop some ass right and, about and now. Think, and the thing about that double dragon, the thing about double dragon alone is kind of almost a hip hop album. 
mm-hmm. because it's like the lot of the lot of things could be done in hip hop, while the stage music could be like straight guitar rock. And there, there are covers that you know there are people who who have taken eight bit music, make them sound like use them for hip hop purposes and use them for um and use them for like rock covers. Listen to Drake's uh, uh when you call me on the cell phone that one and the they mix bling or whatever. Yeah, yeah Hotline Blink and they mix in the we uh, the we made you music <laughs> like. Mm-hmm. Like who would have ever thought well, about that? Well, and the, I mean, and then there's 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 a there's an art to the arrangement as well because Mr. Bungle did like a Caribbean infused version of the one one theme, and 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 that's just I, the I mean, and they did not stray from it. Yes. It is literally they did not say okay, we're gonna take the bass and then just add a bunch of shit because we're artists. They actually just played the theme and all of a sudden it's like, it's like, it's, it's, it's like a carnival dance party all of a sudden. And they, they do it, they do it like three or four times. It's a, it's four minutes long and it was done live, but man, that show must've been fun. Oh yes. Just because it, I mean, for that four minutes when they're not talking about the girls of porn or sweet charity or, or California or some of the weirder stuff that Mr. Bungle talked about in their music like just that little break for four minutes is just like oh it's it's just happy and and yeah you're right and well i was actually going to i, w- I was actually going to say you know y- if you think about it there has to be some f- there had to have been some someone in video game music i mean maybe even koji kondo i don't i don't know i don't want to speculate like that but they had to look at hip-hop at the time because we're talking 85 yes so so right well we could talk probably 83 to 84 as well but just because of development time and development cycle and whatnot and they had to they had to make sure it was spaced appropriate from the video game crash but you had to have looked at things like the Sugar Hill Gang or or Run DMC specifically because they were blowing up and and even Def Jam in its early days and hip hop was based on loops and there was no other music that was really based on loops yes at the time i mean you could talk about yeah Sugar Hill had a band with them and and Run DMC had you know their their song Rockbox had definitely had a band behind it and I mean, I don't remember when Stetsa Sonic started doing their thing, but I'm pretty sure it was after Mario Brothers. And I'm, but there had to be someone looking at it and say, okay, a loop has to be in effect here. Otherwise, we have to stretch the song out for however long the player decides to stay in the stage. Right. And that's probably why they they started the timer at like what 300 seconds or whatever Mario One yes. was. Um. And then they probably got to the point where there were software constraints, so they had to they had to use chips chip tune, and it had to only be so much, and it had to be a loop. Now, all of that was basically speculation. I mean, no, it, it was straight up speculation that came out of my mouth. But the human experience, in terms of any sort of historical context has there's always sort of things that lead into others almost through unknown through unknown like 
channels. Like, oh, like it's it's almost like there's a certain collective consciousness that we all sort of share. Yeah. Um, man, I'm getting metaphysical here. Uh, <laughs> but you, you have to think that there's somebody who loves music enough that is paying attention to what's going on and thinking about it in a way that's not just, oh, that's number one right now. It must be good. Other, because if it was if it was like that, all, all early Nintendo games would have sounded like Motley Crue or Guns N' Roses because yes. those were those were huge and to a very lesser extent bearable. Um, and so it, it, I, and it's kind of weird because throughout the NES, like it has it has like a heavy bass kind of thud sound to it, mm-hmm. but like throughout the years you know, it got cleaner a little bit cleaner because of the sound effects that you had to use with, uh, your characters, like doing the action and stuff. Cause like, yeah. cause you can listen to maybe like Mario brothers or double dragon loading, loading screen. Um, and then listen to Batman by Sunsoft and hear the yep. difference of that and be like, wow. Like this thing, like the text and stuff are clearer and the music is, you know, sometimes the music would drop out because you're doing an attack, but not so much. Like the music is still going like in Batman and you can hear the clear sound effects. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then, and, and, but see, and like you also look at, especially now that you're mentioning rhythm, the eighties was an era of, of, of heavy drums. Yes. I mean, in fact, the, the artists, the artists that used drums, the lightest, actually tended to be more influential and successful. Like look at Prince. He had a, an unsinkable number one with wind doves cry and there's no bass in that song. Right. Cause it's, it's like, and, but, it's but, and, and then in fact, even, yeah. And even the drums he's using are not like, boom, boom, boom there. It's like the higher register of drums. Yeah. Like he has, he has a, there's, there's a drum kick in there because there has to be, that's just how backbeats work. Um, and that's my explanation because I don't know anything about theory of music, but you could also look at like the way Terry Riley and, or Terry, or is it Terry? Riley? No, not Terry Riley. It was Terry Lewis and Jimmy Jim, the way they produced Janet Jackson's yes. first album. You know, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of low register bass drum. Michael Jackson wasn't using a lot of low register bass drum. Duran fucking Duran wasn't using a lot of low register bass drum because for lack of a better for lack of an expert explanation, it just wasn't in vogue at the time. Well they were- and I and I think and I think a lot of that was probably still holdover from the backlash of disco. In fact, the the bands that were using that were n- more often not too popular in America. Because like New Order, after once they sort of picked up the torch from uh, Joy Division dying or uh-huh. Joy Division's lead singer dying, they were using bass drums all throughout. You know their heyday from '83, I think. To well, to now because they're still together, and the, the but because it was dance music, it wasn't getting a lot of play here. Now in Europe, that stuff fucking ruled. Yes, and 
and that in you know acid culture dance culture as the 80s moved on became a big a big force in music that led to that it's probably more pivotal in putting music where it is now than punk rock was in the 70s because most people look at punk rock and hip-hop being the the last major new things to happen um but all this sort of translates to video games not using heavy sounds for two reasons i'll bet you the chipset in the early Nintendo and probably even the Genesis to a degree couldn't do low register without blowing out speakers. Mm-hmm. Even the Sega Master and, System. Like Yeah, and, and I didn't I don't have experience with the Master System. Well so, the, the uh I think the Sega Master System, I think it was four bit. I think it was somewhat eight bit but a little bit four bit. Like if you heard something like Space Harrier, like you could hear the music but because when you start shooting your guns, part of the music like the drums and stuff would drop out. Um, yeah. If you listen, if you play Devil Dragon on um, the Sega Master System, you kind of hear like the arcade version, but it's still okay. a dumbed down version. Like you would hear mostly light tones. You wouldn't really get like a drum kind of mm-hmm. basic because uh, if you there, there's even a game called My Hero. Um, yep. Where your main attack is you drop kicking people, but if you mm-hmm. if you kind of hear it, if it sounds like an old timey like nineteen forty, not some not so much jazz, but do 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 do, and it just it has like very it's very light, so they don't it doesn't have that kind of drum mentality that the NES had. Or even in the yeah. arcade, because you can mm-hmm. you can if you go to the arcades, the arcades had a different sound than it does for the NES, and the NES had a different sound than the Sega Master System. Yeah, because and I think a lot, I mean that was all based on limitations and everything, and that was probably why a lot of it sort of endures the way it does. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, like. Cause even- you have to you, like as as new of a medium at the time video games was you had to think all of the things they were like of all the things they were using to try and propel said medium forward mm-hmm. i think music was probably the easiest thing for them to grasp at and say look we can keep we can keep this part of it fresh and i and, and i think like you know, there's. I think. I think Mega Man actually did that, probably better. Mega Man Two specifically, just yes. because there's so much. There's so many memorable loops in that soundtrack. I think it did it better because, very much like the Koji Kondo thing for for Mario Brothers, the the looping wasn't. Um. It wasn't intrusive. It didn't say – it wasn't like the end of the track said, hey, we're starting over. You know, And you listen to if – you, if you actually break it out each song into its segment rather than letting it loop once or twice, it's like 30 seconds. Yes. And, 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 and it's a seamless 30 seconds. So you could put it – if you – like I – because I'm a nerd, um, I actually – downloaded it and burned it to a CD and actually listened to all of it. And I'm like, wait a minute, I remember there being more music and you're like, no, it just loops. Right. And, and the, the, there was enough there. Cause it's all like super tiny 
and it was done well enough that you could loop it and it seemed like everything was super long right because you could hear the you could hear the difference at what part the song is and how it connects to the first part of the mm-hmm. of the song um, well in the in the in the thirty second chunks, yes, yeah. but when you're listening to it as you're playing the stage, you almost you 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 don't notice right. it's just like it's just like, oh, that's how the song is pretty much because like if you if you just sit in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for my ultra, the first one, if you just mm-hmm. stand in the overworld and just listen to that, that kind of loops, it sounds like it's looping every 10, 10 or maybe yeah. 12 seconds. And it just keeps going and going. Mm-hmm. But it, And because it's done the right way, you don't notice it while you're playing. Yes. Now, you just might like- want to throw the cartridge after you have to do the water... Uh, we had to swim on the ground and, and stop the bombs. You might want to throw the cartridge at the thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I, yeah, no, I, I let my dog bury that one in the backyard somewhere. Yeah. I'm like, here, take it. I don't need this anymore. <laughs> Even Ninja Gaiden has different, it, it, Ninja Gaiden is like a whole different thing kind in a way. Uh, because, oh, yeah. be, because it, it deals with cut scenes in it. You get that. Oh, those cut scenes were like, I remember those cut scenes just, and this is, this is how cool the, the NES was it when you're between seven and nine and you're playing all these games, your imagination gets tapped into in the best ways because I remember, and it's probably just cause I was that old, but like, I remember everything looking way better than it actually does. And you, you watch that first cutscene where the two ninjas jump and, you know, and they're in the moon. You see one of them drop. You're like, oh, that was so cool. <laughs> and it looks, I mean, in, in, your, in my head, I'm like, oh, this, this is a kung fu movie. My parents won't let me watch this stuff. And I get to play it. Right. It's great. And, and I kind of want to mention Double Dragon, not Double Dragon, Double Dribble and Tecmo Bowl. Where Tecmo oh. Bowl had the hut, 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 and then you press it. Right, and then you press it, and then the music would kick in. It didn't stop so you could do your play. And then it kicks in after you play hut again. Double Dribble, you will just play the, you would get like the intro, people going into the, uh, into the um the stadium and you hear like the oh, national oh, anthem playing oh, oh, play ball like, yeah. how- <laughs> and then so when you get done when you literally get done or or you you know after you do the jump ball when you make a shot they be like do 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 oh yeah and the audience is clapping and stuff it even even has a halftime show where cheerleaders would come out and dance to the music like there. I'm like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. Like, even little music like that is memorable and it's, it's important to the game because it's just like, you know, you just don't play four quarters and continue yeah. to have all music. It, it just doesn't ma- mix well because if you add a real basketball game, at points in time, you'll hear music, but they don't break or they make a score. You don't really get it like a soundtrack yeah. is playing for the whole game. Probably besides no. uh, shut, bark these shit up and jam or uh, hoops yeah, or something like that. Where yeah. it's like constant music, you know, those kind of arcade basketball games. So, yeah. Uh, Black Belt, uh, actually, Outrun. 
Oh, Outrun had great music. Yeah. Oh. So Outrun for oh. Outrun. The I loved Out- Rad Racer until I played Outrun. Yes. Well, Outrun, <laughs> Outrun, you, um, you got to select the music and radio station on that you wanted to hear. So uh, definitely on the Sega Master System because I played it so many times. I would select certain radio stations and or uh, that radio station, and it would play the music for the whole drive. Mm-hmm. And then yep. in the arcade, you could actually change and and hear different radio stations and be like, "Wow, I get to select my music." Because um, I think it wasn't it wasn't until well for some games, but mostly to the Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis games. You could have select background music just to listen to, like mm-hmm. Streets of Rage two, and we're gonna get into the nineties in a few seconds. Streets of Rage two was major important to me. After playing that game and listening to that uh, that dance influenced game, like mm-hmm. that, I mean, I have I've been a househead ever since high school. And okay. I got into house music and it was kind of, you know, a, a little thing, but because I'm closer to Chicago, we have Chicago house and we'll get into that. Oh, later, you had the later. good stuff. Yes. Um, you had the good stuff. Listening to the soundtrack to, uh, Streets of Rage 2, I would literally go to the background music, cut the game on and dance to it like I'm in a club. And this yeah, is Yeah, no, I, like, I mean, I, I had a, I, I had a tape player that I could record audio to, and there were several games that I actually just put, I actually just got to a point where I was safe, like, especially in the Streets of Rage, before you went far enough to the right, yes. where the thumb would go and tell you to go to the next place, I would basically press record, walk out of the room, and then come back and say, and then go to the next time just so, because I would I would end up listening to those tapes because they were awesome. Yeah, so we're going to jump into video game music of the 90s um, because 16-bit was kind of catching up to the arcade experience. <clears throat> um, you had games like Street Fighter 2 that you got, like, if you hear Ryu's music or e. Honda's music, you know, the music in there represented the countries and stuff. Um, I, like I mentioned, Street Race 2, um, which they have some features. There was one feature on one website that's talk, that talked about it because it was celebrating, I think, 25 years or 20 years of that game. Listening to the soundtrack, like, you literally could go on YouTube and hear that soundtrack. If not, if you still got a Wii or Wii U or even a 3DS, um, they are selling the Streets of Rage 2 video game. You need to pick it up and listen to that soundtrack. Um, Super and Mad- apart from apart from the music, yes. it's actually a, Streets of Rage 1 and 2 are really good side-scrolling yes. brawlers. Like, they yes. really are. Yes. Um, Continue. I, I don't want to discount uh, Final Fight, but when it comes to music, Streets of Rage 2 and Streets of Rage 1 are, like, major. Because they, to me... They were the most dance influenced games that you could not find. Like, you, mm-hmm. I mean, you had you had Mega Man, but you, like, the, you could tell they how they mix house music, how they mix uh dance and trance, and just doing doing different things and stuff, and uh even putting like a little hip hop beat to it. Um, because mm-hmm. when you get to some of the bosses, and I think Streets of Rage one, it sounds like a hip hop track. Yep. 
And, you, and well, and see, and, and like you, th- I, I mean, not to, I'm not trying to derail your, your point. Oh, no, I actually, no. I actually want, I want to add to it because I think Streets of Rage one and two, I actually think are like, I haven't gone back and listened to those soundtracks for a couple of reasons. One, um, I don't, I don't want to have, I don't want to have them ruined. Yes. Um, by experience of of listening to a lot of music and turning on the critical thinking part of it. I don't want to do, I don't want to go back and do that, but I remember at the time and I don't remember if it was specifically streets of rage one or streets of rage two, or might've been both. Like I was watching MTV. I was, I was, you know, MTV had become more of a thing in my life Uh by this time and playing a video game. I could actually hear in that music, how it was informed by what was going on in popular music. Like there's yes. one there's one level in Streets of Rage 2. I think it, or it's either Streets of Rage – in one of the Streets of Rage 1 or 2, in one of those, there's a stage that sounds a lot like um, I Need Money by Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. There's also one that sounds like Fez by Steely Dan. There's also there's also plenty there's also plenty of references to hooks at the time. Mm-hmm. And and I this that was sort of noticing that was sort of a moment for me where I realized, "Oh, wait a minute. Things can act things can actually come from somewhere." Yes. And and because I drew those connections, that sort of changed how I thought about music to a degree where I would be like, okay, well, where did that come from? And, you know, and because I've been into hip hop so long, I'm almost always going, I wonder what that sample is. And then trying, and then try and finding it because that's always fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. And then, and then, you know, because I, it, it was a time where I was being introduced to like techno music. Um, and I would I, I actually dove into techno music in a very strange way. Not because I had heard anything good. I like didn't hear 808 State. I didn't hear Frank Knuckles. I didn't hear I didn't know about Chicago House. I didn't know about tr- Detroit House. But for some reason I fell in love with Two Unlimited. and 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 i still like their music to this day despite how shitty it is um because it's shitty it it's real shitty um but there's some of it that i that i still it just reminds me of being a kid and dancing around on my headphones in my room while i'm trying to clean it but uh but yeah like streets of rage 2 and 1 and 2 like having that outer popular influence in their music was informative and and i'm glad you brought those up really yeah because because because, you know with dance music you have a four four beat it's like boom 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 and it's called four on the floor (laughs) well (laughs) well, do you have to four on the floor (laughs) well you have to think of um during the end of the '90s, you had bounce music from Atlanta, so you had uh, yeah, uh, you had songs like "My Boo" and uh, uh, "Who Let the Well Who Let the Dogs Out." Mm, mm. They were really from the Caribbean, weren't they? Probably so. 
But I mean, like, well, you had Outcast at yes. the end of the nineties. You had you, you had oh, I'm, and, and I'm, I mean, even to a lesser extent, you had like Ja Rule and Juvenile and and hip hop and and, this, and southern hip hop was really starting it was it was it was making moves it didn't yes. really it didn't really show it didn't really like take over things until probably 2000 with like no limit and a lot of that like uh-huh. southern hip hop it wasn't atlanta but you know master p was from the south um but like they were they it was hip hop at a different rhythm that yes. that that and it had a different it had a different personality that was equal parts interesting and shitty. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, now Outcast is Outcast is amazing. I'm I'm but like I had friends who were so so into like No Limit and and they're like, oh, Master P, Mr. Cow, C Murder. I'm like, nah. I, and and I did, I'm not gonna say they're bad. It just wasn't my thing. And I and I'm, I'm sorry. I thought Mr. Cow was like a low rent Busta Rhymes. Um, and whenever when all I wanted to do was listen to "Put Your Hands Where My Eye Can See" whenever I heard him screaming. Um, that was the transition wanted... in hip hop. Uh, yeah. Um, and you know what? Save that. Because when, okay. we get to, when we get to personal oh, we'll get stuff, we'll we're going to get there. Because we have, we're probably going to talk about the transition. And I, I sorry, everybody, uh, if you don't like hip hop or anything, I do apologize in advance. But you have to understand the history of the transition of hip hop, even with rock, like music in general. There's a there was a transition in almost every genre. But we'll get to that. Um, I just want to say Super Metroid had ambient music. It make you feel like you're exploring. Michael Jackson Moonwalker took the music of uh, the Moonwalker oh, and all oh, his other oh, bad. It took the the music of bad. Like, yes. it was that album. That's what it was. Yes. Um, to make my videos on Sega CD. Jeez, uh, those were fucking weird. Okay? <laughs> like when NXS has a video game. It, it the world is weird <laughs> like, like at that point <laughs> yeah because it, it was them marky mark and a funky bunch and Jeez. uh crisscross oh crisscross never made me want to jump but for some reason i love their i love their second single warm it up i really like that one uh, i think yes you know what would have been a cool make my video though, and I'm gonna say this TLC. They would have been a they would have been a cool make yeah. my video. Yeah, mainly because they were they at least you know I grew up in Iowa. They didn't blow up in Iowa the way that they probably did on the coasts, but they were like right below what was blowing up at the time. So enough people saw them and said, "Wow, that was interesting." Because you know you because like think about it it's what ninety two between ninety two and ninety four yeah when they when they when they burst on the scene and so you have you have MTV being dominated by Nirvana Pearl Jam Alice in Chains Soundgarden and then Lisa Left Eye Lopez with a condom on her eye people are like what the hell is this I'm like that's what R B was talking about but you sex. thought about it and then and and well 
Yeah, mm. R R R and B started transitioning into uh sexual expression and stuff. I'm going to tell you this. R and B has always been about sex. But it is it, no, okay. Okay, it's, no, you're gonna tell me. You're gonna tell me that Al Green was never about sex. You're gonna tell was, me that Teddy it was Pender, explicit. Even James Goddamn Brown. Oh, James, he Brown. was. Did I, you I'm see? Okay. Say it, Ed. He hold was on, about. Hold on, be, before you go, did you see that James <laughs> Brown movie? What? Uh, which one? Um. Uh. Uh, what what was I cannot think of it. Is there a James Brown movie? Because I don't. Yeah, it was. It was a James Brown movie because it starts off with him like robbing the bank or doing something. He went crazy, and then it does a flashback. Um, and because if you haven't seen it, it's not what's love got to do with. It. That's a different one. That which uh, that's, that's Tina Turner. That's yes. A thing. Oh, that's I love that movie still. Which not bad. Would she be Ike? Not bad. Would she be Ike in that limousine and then walked out like a diva? <laughs> I mean, the only actress that could do that was Angela Bassett. Yes. As far as I'm, there's, I mean, even now, there's no actress that could do Tina Turner the way Angela Bassett did. Give everybody heads up, um, Johnny and Deuce from uh, Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce. They will be on the show. We're talking about 80s and 90s movies and soundtracks. And, nice. And we have, we're, I, for me personally, I have to talk about the Minister Society soundtrack and the Waiting to Exhale soundtrack. How could you not? You better talk about Boys in the Hood, though. You better talk about Boys in the Hood. See, I didn't listen to Boys in the Hood uh, soundtrack. Oh, the, the, uh, you know what? The <laughs> first full length. CD I ever bought mm-hmm. Boys in the Hood soundtrack. Oh, no lie. Really? No lie. I that's for several years at this point, but I had developed an interest in, in, in hip hop for the pad the the couple of years preceding. And my mom worked at this con- this company called uh, Ingram where they distributed VHS tapes to like retailers uh-huh. and video stores. So okay. she would get tons of movies. She would come home every day with at least five or six movies that she was just given. One of the movies was Boys in the Hood. And I'm like, oh, I'd seen a trailer about that. I'd like to watch that. As a, I might have been 11 or 12 at this point. I did not get. I mean, well, I'm, I I watched Boys in the Hood and I liked the movie, but I didn't understand Boys in the Hood not till way later. Um, but like I loved the explosion of sounds that were on that soundtrack, and then eventually I start. And I mean, once I once I really was started following things and, and learning just who people were like i realized that boys in the hood has like a soundtrack full of monumental people i mean ice cube early ice cube is on it yes um you know uh main source is on it uh two shorts on it yeah because mc poo's on it like this is west coast artists i mean well it was it was west coast because that's where that, that that was john singleton yes like i mean you know Spike Lee was definitely East Coast. John Singleton was definitely West Coast. Um, 
we're not going to have that fight. Um, but what fight? but yeah, the boys, <laughs> the East versus West. Oh, <laughs> that's another that's another show I at mean, another I think, time. I think, I think Spike Lee's a better filmmaker than John Singleton, but that's about it. Um, uh, I think they're both equal in a sense. That they that they bring something, and maybe because I'm black, of course, um, they this bring um, they bring something interesting to the culture. Because uh, who did poetic justice? Was that John? No, that was Singleton. That was Singleton. You know, that was Singleton. my that was monumental. Uh, uh, Spike Lee's uh, "Do the Right Thing" was kind of yeah. monumental. Of course, School Days. It, school Days. School days, like I saw school, like I saw school days. I saw do the right thing. I saw Boys in the Hood at an age where I should not have seen those movies, right. and because I saw them, I think that sort of. I mean, I don't want to say that I was prescient enough to understand what was going on, but I think it informed me in a way that I that I I, I didn't understand till way later, and. Like School Days is a fucking masterpiece of a musical. Yes. Like, and I mean, Do the Right Thing is 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 still probably one of the more honest interpretations of race relations in this country Mm -hmm. than anybody will ever admit to. Um, but like Boys in the Boys in the Hood and and like, well, I'm gonna leave Boys in the Hood to one side. Um, just cause I think it actually is real different, but poetic justice, it was, it's really cool to see like a character like Tupac's character kind of make that realization that he doesn't have to play the type and you watch Janet Jackson and I don't, and, and, and the thing is, I don't think both of, I don't think either of them gives like a super stellar performance. Like I don't, I, I mean, I don't think that, I don't think that it solidified Tupac's personality as an actor. I mean, it definitely didn't do anything for Jackson because she didn't really act much after that. But I think s- seeing, Janet Jackson's struggle to be, you know, strong as a female, as a black female and see Tupac, you know, maybe not have to do what black dudes at the time were doing. Like, I I mean, it, it probably influenced me to be, you know, hey, maybe you don't have to do what everyone is doing. Right. If you don't like it. You know, maybe 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 it made me a bigger nerd. I don't fucking know. Because if you look at the movie Juice and you then you look at Poetic Justice, Tupac was able to play different roles. Because if you yeah. hear Tupac's music, you would literally think that oh, he's a dog, he's a criminal. But I'm just like, no, he. I mean, because of that's what gangster rap, I guess if you want to call it, at that time was was kind of a big thing. And of course, it's West Coast. You would think most of that from Tupac, but you know his role in Poetic Justice showed you a different side of him. So it mm-hmm. the the viewpoint of him as an artist really changed when it came to Poetic Justice. 
Oh, but yeah. Before, well, I mean, it was different. It was different, and it was different in Juice too because he's he is. I mean, spoiler alert for a twenty-some-year-old movie. He's the villain, and you know Omar Epps in still his only really good performance, in my opinion. Um. He, it's basically him calling his, his boy out, going, "Nah, man, this isn't cool. <laughs> it's not cool. It's not cool that you're crazy. It's not cool what you did." And and because nobody nobody else around them, just everyone else around them, is kind of apathetic to it mm-hmm. to a point, and he and he just says. He just, I mean, there's there's a certain poignance at the end of the movie when he's like, when Tupac's like, "Well, you ready to die?" and he's like, "Yeah," and Tupac doesn't know how to deal with that. He's like, "I wasn't ready for this. I was. Are you supposed to be scared of me?" <laughs> and and then you know, climax. But what are we talking about? That we'll get back into. We'll, <laughs> we're talking. We're talk, that's that's the episode where we, we I'm talking about with Deuce and Johnny, and when they come on the show, uh, we we'll talk about uh, movies and soundtracks of the 80s and 90s. Um, but the last part of the 90s, um, Tetris on Game Boy and Nintendo was uh, was a huge influence, still big. And the last that I want to mention, one of my favorites, one of my all time favorites, even though it's it's not a uh, a Nintendo game. I love all the Nintendo games. It's hard to rank them. Secret of Mana. And the reason why Secret of Mana is very important on this was that uh, Sony did Sony did Super, Nint- uh, Super Nintendo sound chip. And they were supposed to bring a CD player to the Super NES, which ended up being called the PlayStation, which Sony ended up taking their idea and actually making a PlayStation. Secret of Mana was supposed to be a CD-based game, but because it didn't happen, they put the game on a cartridge. And if you hear it, it still has a nice CD crisp quality to it. And this is on a cartridge, and you didn't hear that in 16-bit uh, uh, in 16-bit games. So it you can listen to that and it just put it on pause and listen to the music and be so relaxed. Some of the best music of the RPG genre in total. Um, I don't know if you have any other games from the '90s that you want to mention with about with music before we get into the second half uh, of the show. I would, I would, I would always recommend. I mean, I'm gl- I'm glad we finally brought up Tetris because that music is it's it's hypnotizing to the point where I can't stop thinking about it even right now. Yes, that. <laughs> um, but I will say Columns on the Sega Genesis. Um, it had it, it it had three distinct songs and I remember there was a tr- I, I remember they were named after the fates in Greek mythology. There's I think it's it's Lethesis, mm-hmm. Atropos, and Lesotho. I think I'm, I'm, I know Atropos and Lethesis are are, are are names of the columns tracks. Um, the other one, okay, I'm human. I forgot, um, <laughs> but they were very different 
like thematically and like I think I remember the thesis sounding more like strings and being almost kind of cold as a soundtrack, but all three as different and disparate as they are as tracks fit the gameplay of columns in a fucking eerie way to the point where it's just, it, it, it almost changes the way you look at the puzzles in columns yeah. and holy hell who, I don't know who developed that. I don't know who the composer was. Um, nailed it. As far as I'm concerned now, and and by the second half of the show, you mean where we just talk about music, right? Yes. So we're okay. Gonna... Before we go there, I am gonna. I do want to do some 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 shout outs. Okay, go ahead. Um, spe- specifically of more modern games, like if you want, um, my my mini diatribe here will be that i don't i i love video game music i genuinely do however i don't feel like all of it is very listenable outside of said video game um i think the way video games i don't want to say bite off of movies uh but the way video games sort of are informed by movie soundtracks uh a lot of them are done in a very similar way mm-hmm. and I think that you know, mo- just like most movie scores aren't very listenable outside of the outside of the movies. There's one composer that I will say, if you are interested in game music and music that can be listenable apart from the game, um, his name and I and I'm probably going to butcher it is uh, Shoji Maguro. S H O J I. And his last name is M E G U R O. He works. He works at Atlas, and he's been involved with most of, if not all, of their games. Um, uh, my, in my opinion, his crowning achievement is the soundtrack to Persona Four. Uh, this is a soundtrack oh. that has that has um, it has J pop. Which, if you were just like me in the late 90s, where you were just repulsed by boy bands and girl groups and the Spice Girls and the Backstreet Boys, if you were repulsed by that, um, he does pop. There's pop music in the Persona 4 soundtrack that is 10 times as sugary, 10 times as happy, to the point where these guys must be, you know, huffing the happiest paint in the world. However, it is completely magnetic to listen to. You know, I thought you would say Persona 3, F-E-S. Now, Persona 3 is second. Um, okay. Persona, because, Persona, because, Persona 3 is a, is, a, is a good soundtrack, but yeah. I think it's sort of the... To bring back hip hop, it is the Beastie Boys "Check Your Head" to Beastie Boys "Ill Communication." And I'm guilty, everybody, because I, my friend has my uh, PlayStation Three, so I I have Persona Four on there, and I wish they would bring it to PS Four. Um, if you own a Vita, get the Vita version. And the Vita version, the Vita version is better because for two reasons one there's a, there are i think two or three extra areas uh-huh. and the music in that the music in them is amazing 
Um, the extra music they actually added for the Vita is really good. And the opening song on the Vita version is not on the PS3 version. It's called Shadow World. If you've mm-hmm. never listened to that, it is one of the most magnetic openings to a game. Okay. In I don't want to say ever, but like, holy crap! Can, no, I, can, just, I, can I tell you right now, like right after the podcast, I'm going on YouTube to hear do it. that. Like that that opening harmonica in it, it's just like it, it, it's it's the right kind of jarring, but but it's also the right kind of hey, come party with us, oh. and uh, it's so good. Um, also, uh, if if you want to look at a, a good video game soundtrack, that is. That is listenable despite being a video game soundtrack. I would say um, Bayonne's "Pickle Junk Eden." Um, when I was when I, when I uh, yes when I was, yes. when I after I had been well a couple of years after I'd been a music critic I was I was um, this is after I'd left Mixdown. I was exposed to that, and all I remember is. I would do what we had talked about where you just sort of leave the game and I would just let the music play. And then eventually I decided, you know what? I got to find the soundtrack and I found it online and I still listen to it to this day. It is, a, it is, I mean, it's, it's definitely, I mean, it's electronic dance music. Um, but instead of being like Steve Aoki or Avicii where it has to be some sort of poppy song, mm-hmm. they're, they're just sort of, they're just sort of extended ambiences. Now there's rhythm. There's you can head not you can nod your head to it, but it, it's it's never it, it's, it's never thrown. It's never mashing your face into it, going, "Hey, this is a video game." And it's actually really good to do other stuff too. It's really good to write to. It's really good to. I mean, I've, you could fall asleep to it. it. Can I tell you? It's it's funny that you missed, uh, mentioned the Pixel Junk Gangs. The music on there are some of the tracks are so calming and relaxing, mm-hmm. but it's just like, how did you guys create this? Like, it, it's it feels like something that you don't hear in video games, and you wish more of it would come out. Agreed. Um, I think the the guys that did Shooter One and Shooter Two, I think their name is High Frequency Bandwidth. Okay. Those are good, um, but I think I think Bayonne is kind of on a different level, different level. because I, I think in some in some ways for being uh, for being definite house, definite you know extended house. I don't want to say trancey, but extended house sort of workouts. Um, he uses sparse elements rather than blowing beating you over the head with synths and i think i think he does it in a he's definitely informed by uh late 70s ambient music like brian eno or or um i'm i'm drawing a blank but like robert fripp Uh maybe um and then in terms of listening to soundtracks from an academic sound, from an academic standpoint, or from, um, oh, um, I don't want to say, uh, a, well, actually, no, I will say this from a tension building standpoint. Uh-huh. And, uh, there's a, there was a game that came out in like 2011, 2012 called Dyad. It was, uh, as far as I know, it's a 
PC PS3 is that, game. Was that Mizuguchi? No. No, 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 no. This is an American guy. D-Y-A-D. Uh, yeah, D-Y-A-D. Okay, yeah. I remember Dyat, but I didn't try it. It's, I mean, if you, if you, if you like, I mean, it's basically a, a play on the old Tempest formula. Okay. Um, it's definitely informed by that, but like, as you progress through each level, elements are added Ooh. To, to the music and the music builds in a way that is organic and, and it kind of gets your blood rushing, but it's, it's not, it's not like. It's not like a boss battle in Dark Souls where everything is loud, symphonic, and uh-huh. you know the mo- the movement crescendo or anything like that. Um, I think while those aren't like three of like the high points of like all of video games, I think if you look at those that we that we've mentioned, you get something out of it different than just the Mario Brothers overworld theme yeah. or or the double dragon hip-hop or the streets of rage you know de la soul sample of pop culture you get you get something you i think i think those kind of sort of those actually probably make a statement on video game music coming into its own yeah. I, in in a way that would in a way that hopefully informs future Composers. The the quality of it is it, it the quality of the of video game music now, like in this modern age, helps you get out of thinking that me video game music needs to sound like like you said Mario Brothers, like Nintendo theme or eight bit or retro. It, like it needs to get out of there. Um, sometimes it doesn't need to feel like a video game. It just needs to. It make you it it gives you a a, a very good emotional feel mm-hmm. to it. Where even if you erase the con- the content that was on it, and you listen to the music, you could be like, "Oh my goodness, this is very relaxed." Like, like I'm guilty, and I need to buy this like the I Am Setsuna soundtrack. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, like even if I never played the game, listening to that orchestra. It's mind blowing. It's just like this is on the level of going to a to see a uh, going to see classical music being played, mm-hmm. and you normally don't get that. You don't really get that idea of a video game doing that. You think of oh, this is just background music that I need to play, and it's going to help me beat the game. No, exactly. It, it, it's doing more than that. Yeah, and 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 I'm not smart enough to say what video game music, what purpose video game music is supposed to serve, mm-hmm. other than be in a video game. But I think when, like with I Am Setsuna, I'm, I've heard some of I Am Setsuna's soundtrack because someone told me, you know, you should check it out. And I liked what I heard, but I think I think I won't really I won't really get it until I play the game. Yes. Um. But like even even like here's here's a good example. Look at Breath of the Wild. Uh, whenever whenever you use like I've I've done the 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 magne, the magnesis shrine where you get the magnetic power. Yeah. And but when you do something and you hear that you hear the Zelda the Zelda secret sound like you found a secret like that. Yeah. But the way that they do that in that game, it's 
it's done with I mean I'll say it's piano but I don't know if it's actually piano or synthesized piano it's piano but the fact that it's familiar and you know it 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 called back so many memories from before as well as still at this point despite having heard that sound a lot over the past 30 years I you hear something new and 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 it seems fresh in a yes. weird way and like and there's something there that states what video game music should be and I think a, a new player who had never heard that sound before hopefully that'll etch in their mind the way it is etched in many a Zelda fan's mind um but let's go to music shall we Yes, we should. Um, <laughs> last, last thing I, I do want to mention that I already have Matthew back on be- to do like 2000 up to now because like we haven't even touched like Bioshock Infinite doing old barbershop covers or some of the True. music. Um, we haven't even died. We haven't died into, uh, Dance Dance Revolution on nope. how, uh, you know, luminous, uh, medios, like, there's, like, uh, pop rapper, the rapper and stuff, like, there's a video game, to me, Elite Beat Agents, <laughs> like, Oh, Elite Beat this- Agents, I, I've never played that game, but that music, holy shit. <laughs> yes, and, you know, we, we, there's a lot of modern music, even from indie games, that we haven't even touched on yet, so that's gonna be a part two, we'll get to that one, um, uh, coming, probably later down on the line and that, stuff. That's fine. That's uh, anytime you want, man. Uh, anytime you want. Because trust me, I have to. I have to do more research and get like a whole list and be like, Matthew, <laughs> what should we add? Dude, this, 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 and you know, want to get that together. Um, but we're going to talk about our personal sounds and genre of music. Pretty much music that we like, um, music that we grew up with, and like how, kind of like how it evolved. Because we, when we talked about hip hop and stuff, um. You know, Matt's a hip hop fan. I'm a hip hop fan. Um, I, I'm not such a, a hip hop fan now because of some of the modern music that is just beyond garbage. But like, there's a lot. There's a lot. I mean, yeah, yeah. But yeah. like, when you get a real like lyricist and you get a real producer who who, who still can sample a little bit, but still could create their own beats and it sounds really good with their rhymes you would be like, okay, this is what hip-hop literally means to me. But we're going to kind of go back to the 80s um, of our personal sounds and genre of music that we like. So okay. um, you mentioned uh, 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 Terry Lewis and Jimmy Jam. Mm-hmm. And Janet Jackson is such a big influence to me. Michael Jackson, of course, has always been influenced. But I was thinking about this uh, driving because um, the pleasure principle came on. One of my favorite Jenna Jackson songs of all time. Okay. And watching the video with her dancing, because I'm big on choreography. I, I am a choreographer. I haven't choreographed anything lately, and I love to dance. But with her doing the stuff on a chair, her going into the lights, doing stuff with her hands and stuff. But the song itself, it just it just grabbed my attention. And you yeah. know th- that R and B kind of sound during the eighties, 
is what I like. Pleasure, pleasure principle. Come back to me. The whole control album, and uh, was just was just mag- magnificent. It was like a terrific album. And yeah, it's it, her. I, I, you know, I don't care what people say about Rhythm Nation. Controls her best album. Yes. I mean, I love, I, I really love a lot of her, a lot of her albums of Janet Jackson, but you know, she was a big influence to me. Madonna has always been a big influence to me. Um, uh, uh, Human Nature, uh, Sister Scissor, uh, Sister mm-hmm. Scissors, is that it? Um, uh, the Scissor Sisters? Yeah. I think that's it. I mean, they were a band in like 2000. Three, four ish. No, I thought they did um like a song called like Breakout back in the eighties. Back in the eighties, yeah, maybe. Uh, uh, I just I just remember there was a there was a I used to work at Tower and there was this really annoying girl. Um, and <laughs> I don't I I'm not gonna say her name. I just because I'm I'll be respectful. But I I walked in and. And I took my headphones off and I'm like, and I hear this just garbage coming out of towers because I'm like, what, what the fuck is this? And she, and she does in her hipstery ironic way. She's like, scissors, scissors, woo. And I'm like, I don't like you anymore. Not that I ever really did, but you, you are definitely on the permanent dislike list now. (laughs) And and there was rock music that I watched on MTV um, of course, mm-hmm. like Bon Jovi and stuff like that. Um, but it was like R and B, some hip hop, and pop was the big yeah. thing to me in the eighties. I mean, I mean, that pop was... is a yeah. Well, it'd be, it's, it's seeing like, and I don't know. I know you're like near my age. I think you're older than me, aren't you? No, I'll be thirty-seven actually next month. Oh, congratulations. I am the oldest. Um, in the early to mid 80s, I was actually not allowed to watch MTV. So, really? yeah, I was actually not allowed to watch it because my parents, being the white suburbanites that they are, they read a story, I believe, in the National Enquirer. Oh. That state that yep 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 face palming is appropriate. Where a child set himself on fire because he saw the David Lee Roth video for Just a Gigolo, where two background dancers are on fire, and he wanted to dance while he was on fire just like they were. Now. I am one who certainly got up to some dumb stuff as a child. I never really entertained the notion of setting myself on fire because I saw it on TV. I'm just going to leave that there. Um, I wanted to set myself on fire for so many more important <laughs> reasons no but so I, I spent a lot of time sneaking mtv either late at night when when my parents were asleep because i was that kind of rebel or at friends house at friends houses and 
it seemed like it seemed like the plastic pop and and R&B were all over MTV at that time. And I mean, but then again, you know, there was some of it that I mean, that was some of the best music of the decade. I mean, look yes. at look at I mean, you I I you could you could argue who's better, Michael Jackson or Prince. But, you know, those two with Madonna, that was they ruled the 80s. Yes. Whenever, whenever one of those put out an album, they were the focal point, especially from 1980, what, what 1982 on when Prince put out purple or 1999 and 82, 83 comes thriller, 84 comes purple goddamn rain. Was that with the movie coming out too? They came out at the same time. Okay. Um, and then you know, and and you know, Thriller was unsinkable for years, and then in '87 you had Bad, and I don't mm-hmm. remember if it was '89 or '90 where you had um, Dangerous. It might have been '89, um, '90 or '91 for Dangerous. Okay, all yeah. right. Well, and but but and still you had Madonna doing her thing throughout the '80s, and I mean, you know, whether it was really interesting benign pop songs like borderline or lucky star or um human nature or not human no human nature was the 90s um because like a prayer like a prayer was but like but but no there we go like a prayer that's an that's another one of where it's just like it's just like a robust pop album Mm -hmm. that actually has a lot there despite being within the trappings of a a quote unquote pop princess. Yes. And you and then you had you had hip hop coming of age in the eighties. You had um you had you had weird things like like Shalimar and Morris Day in the time, or you had George Benson, an accomplished jazz guitarist, really aiming at the mainstream. And then he, he nailed it with a song like Gimme the Night, which is still one of the most magnetic hooks. George Benson is my heart. Every The live version of For Him Singing on Broadway. That, oh, yeah. That, oh, yeah. That's that a good is, old time. Oh, I've... Just listening to that on the radio, I would tune everything out and listen to that because it's just it, there, there's just something about his voice and about that song that's just like if it's not you, it was uh, uh, um, Nat King Cole's daughter. Yeah, uh, n- uh, Natalie Cole. Natalie Cole. It was her mm-hmm. singing Route 66 or her doing yep. some songs like they, they, it was just so magical about that that I'm yeah, just like I want to knock everything out and just listen to it. Mm-hmm. Now, well, it, and then and then and then rock was changing as well because you had the mainstream was definitely you know your 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 Motley Crues your your Guns and Roses for a time, but then the stuff that was the stuff that would pave the way for grunge, like. Um, REM or uh, the Jam or mm-hmm. 
Husker Du or the Minutemen or the the remnants of punk um, that that sort of stuck around throughout that decade. The Dead Kennedys for crying out loud! Oh my goodness, I haven't heard uh, that name in so long. I mean, the the replacements released four motherfuckers of albums in the eighties that are still being referenced today by most rock artists. Um, there was, there, there was, there's a lot to unpack about, about eighties music. Um, and I feel like we could do another show on that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, we're going to transition to nineties because eighties is just like there because okay so you were limited to mtv let's just say limited you couldn't watch it in mm-hmm. front of your parents but you, no, you're, you're not good. that's fair that's i fair. was doing i literally was doing vh1 mtv uh the uh jukebox or the box um i was doing oh, the B- box oh man i was doing bet like anywhere i could find music music videos uh, uh here in chicago we have wgci b96 kiss fm mm-hmm. like whatever like whether it was old school gospel, um, if it was like modern pop or whatever, I would sit back and I would listen to it because I was so big into it. Um, when it got to the nineties, uh, and we'll get into the, we'll discuss the hip hop transformation because the hip hop transformation kind of started a little bit with the eighties. It didn't change definitely in the nineties. You, you'll see a drastic change. Mm-hmm. Um, in the 90s, you know, Janet Jackson for me still reigned. Michael Jackson, he was doing his uh, Dangerous videos on Fox uh, before In yep. Living Color, um, which is another musical thing because they had Fly Girls dancing and you would like, yep. actually hear music on there or music artists and you'd be like, okay, this is like kind of for a black audience because you had Saturday Night Live, but, mm-hmm. you know, that catered but they to... But they weren't paying attention. Right. So, um, when it got to the nineties, you know, we talked a little bit like with TLC talking about sex and stuff, like the biggest artist to me that stood out in the, in the nineties was sisters with voices. I love yeah. me. SWV and Invoke and TLC were like the three major ones for me. Mm-hmm. And, but sisters yeah. with voices, they came out with, with a song called Right Here. Grabs people's attention when they did the Michael Jackson remix. People were still involved with them. But they did one song called Week. And the black community went nuts. If, if, if it wasn't a Whitney Houston song that people were trying to sing, it was Week by SWV. That's how influential that song was back in the 90s. Of course, if you hear Martel Jordan's This Is How We Do It, that's the only stuff that you brought no one from. Do we have to do that, please? <laughs> but I'm like, but, you know, uh, This Is How We Do It is Friday night. That's probably mostly what people remember. But if you listen yeah. to the rest of the song, you'd be like, I don't know the rest of the song or anything thing like that um we had artists like jane um like, oh jane uh, man yeah. that was dude cool. they was playing her they was playing uh hey mr dj play that song they was playing their first single <laughs> like a couple of days on a radio station i'm driving not to not trying to hit nobody <laughs> in, in anything but those Word. were the, those was the big definitely in the black community those was the big major songs in R&B. You had something like Portrait with Honey Dip. Um, 
Oh yeah, yeah dude! I brought their CD for the Half Price Bookstore. We've been playing. Yeah, this stuff. Um, <laughs> you had Mary J. Blige. You had Faith Evans. Um, you you like the female and even some of the males and stuff were like the big names in R and B. And when I talked to her earlier about sex tra- transitioning. Um, you know, with like 70s and 80s, it was always, you know, the love songs were always romantic. And, you know, it, it you know, it kind of set the mood. When it came to the 90s, they were just like, I want to see your big back pudding. You know, it was all the sexual yep. in, in innuendo. So you could tell the transition of it. And it was just like more open and more expressive. And it took a while to be accepted, but it was. It it became accepted. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned like uh, rock, you know the way how rock transformed. Um, it went to was grunge and punk at the same time because emo came to like close to punk 2006. was well. See, punk was like that that you could talk about when it actually began, but when it sort of took hold mm-hmm. on the popular conscious was probably 1977. Okay. And then in the eighties there like REM and Joy Division and Dead Kennedys and all, all those bands are are referred to uh chronologically as post punk, despite sounding very much like punk. Well maybe not REM and Joy Division, but Dead Kennedys definitely sound like the Clash or the Sex Pistols or the Ramones. But grunge was like probably uh, I want to say metal was st- hair metal was still in eighties. Hair metal was still the eighties, but but like right about the time when Michael Jackson released History, yes, that was when grunge sort of grabbed. Because there's a there's an there's an old joke that you know Michael Jackson's History is probably the most returned album of all time because everyone returned that and bought Nevermind by Nirvana. Wow, and that and and that's what made Nirvana popular a smash but you know because they they had done um their album bleach in like 92 pearl jam had done 10 in like 92 alice in chains did uh what's it called i think it might have just been their first album called alice in chains okay and then soundgarden had Soundgarden had been around before that, but like I think around ninety two, ninety three, they released Bad Motor Finger, and that uh-huh. sort of got some notice. Because Foo, Foo Fighters came out Foo later. Foo right? Fighters didn't show up till after after Kurt Cobain died. Um. Oh yeah, yeah they showed up in ninety six, ninety seven. Because Green Day didn't show up till almost close to the two thousands, I think. No, right. Green Day showed up right about the same time as Nirvana, even though they had been around before. Okay. Um, I think I think Dookie was ninety four, um, and that was that was a an unsinkable, unsinkably huge album. Smashing Pumpkins, while um, Siamese Dream, definitely made waves like Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness in like ninety six or ninety seven uh-huh. was a it was you could not get away from that album. Like tonight, tonight was one of the most played songs. As was Zero. As was Bullet with Butterfly Wings. Like there were, there were, there were like a lot of a lot of grunge 
mm-hmm. was so magnetic at that time. Stone Temple Pilots had two unsinkable albums as well. However, as as the decade wore on, and especially after Kurt Cobain's death, like people were, it seemed like people weren't sure what to do, and 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 in that little space, you had a guy like Beck show up with a song called "Loser." Yeah. And then in ninety and ninety seven he did Odelay, which was a which is a redonkulous romp of an album that no one expected. No one saw that coming anywhere. But, you know, there I mean a lot of I mean, and the one thing that I've tried to stay away from, especially in paying attention to music as long as I have I've never wanted to be the guy that goes, oh, music was so much better then. Mm-hmm. And like, and, and that sort of, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I hope I'm not jumping the gun and leading no. to, um, leading to what we had originally planned on talking about, like, no, with, I, with like what, what sort of music we like. It's an open but, platform. Discuss. I know, I know, I know. I just don't, I just, I don't want to just derail this, but like the one, the one thing I hate, there, well, actually, there are a few things I hate when I tell someone I'm really into music because then they're because then they're like, oh, well, who's your favorite band? And then, you know, I say my favorite band is The Clash. They're like, who are they? And I say, you know, that song Rock the Casbah, which is like their one of their it was their only real hit. But yeah. it, but it's not their best song by by a stretch. They're like, oh, yeah, I know that. That isn't that a one hit wonder. I'm like yes, it's a one-hit wonder, but they had better songs. Blah blah blah. Well, but if that was the one hit, or I hate asking someone, they're like, "Oh well, um, the best are are the Beatles," because I never ask who the best is. I always ask who their favorite is, and and then they respond with, "Well, the best are the Beatles." I go, "That doesn't make you credible." And you know, how about you? What do you like? Oh, I'm a Beatle maniac. Well, no, okay, but well, okay. Well, what what Beatles songs? Are, oh, I like Sgt. Pepper. All, all right, you are. I mean, and it it gets to the point where they're just recycling stuff that their parents have told them. Yes, and I'm just like, great. So, it, so did 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 your parents tell you that that rap is bad too because it's not music? Oh yeah, they told me that. Well, then then clearly you don't listen to music, so I'm not. I'm done talking to you. Um, you haven't that diversified your ears. I'm I'm and I don't even want to go that far because I'm because it's at that point they're like, well, I just don't like it. And then and then and then once they get to once they get there, I'm always afraid. I'm like three seconds of I'm three seconds away from being told why modern pop country is actually really good, and I'm just not going to listen to it. Um, but well, it, well, now it is for some for some artists. I listen to country. Some there's some modern modern country artists, and this is what we might we you might look at me crazy, uh, and I'm gonna give it back give the mic back to you. Um, That's fair. Uh, can I'm, I, can I'm I, gonna I, let you go with this, Ed, because I respect you. Can I say <laughs> can Can I say that uh, where I like some where I like country in general is that mm-hmm. I like the songwriting some of their arrangements but i i find out i find that when i get sometimes when i get bored of different genres songwriting because it sounds the same when i get into country sometimes it's very creative and when i'm driving and i just throw in a country song and i'm just listening to it 
the writing is top notch. Because as now, you know, as a but song- see, here's the thing. Here's 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 where I need you. To, I need you to. I need you to narrow this down. Yes. What country? Um. Well, not the one that makes that uh, badunk dunk. So, Thank you. Honky uh, tonk badunk dunk. Yes. Is that your thing. Good. But, not that. Mess. Good because you're a smart goddamn man. Eh? I seen that. I seen that video, and I dropped everything. I'm like. What the world is this nonsense? Exactly. Um, I, I think that offends me as a white man, for God's sake. Yes. How does that even work? I have not one idea. <laughs> like, I, I'm like, I am offended. And see, and, and you know who you know who introduced me to that song? Matalia. My mom did because she thought it was funny. I'm like, how is this acceptable? This is like. This is how this makes no sense. And, uh, but anyway, yeah. I am um, not going, I am not going to say country music is bad because there are some like, and I, I was in that camp for a long time mm-hmm. un- until someone pointed out to me, Oh, but you like Johnny cash. I'm like, well, yeah, I like Johnny cash. Johnny cash is fucking cool. Well, do you like Willie Nelson? Yeah, I like Willie Nelson. We'll see. Willie Nelson's fucking cool. Well, do you like Merle Haggard? Yeah, I like Merle Haggard because he's fucking cool. You like country music then? No shit. But that's a different kind of country. Um, exactly. And that's, yeah. but see, like, but you, if you're going to tell me that, if you're going to try and evangelize the, the, the talents of Luke Bryant or, or, or Little Big Town, I'm not listening. A little bit of time I haven't listened to Luke Bryant. Some of his songs are. Um, I think it's it's like when when it's not uh when it's something just off his album that they didn't play as like a main single. Someone kind of requested it. Uh, sometimes mm-hmm. that that's good. Um, Dixie Chicks is big to me. I I really love. I really enjoyed the Dixie Chi- Dixie Chicks because of their writing and some of their harmonies and sounds. Well, like they're they're and- really good. They're consistent, and that's what I like about them. And but see, even that's a different argument nowadays. Yes. Because like I when 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 Dixie Chicks first arrived, they were in that they were in that Garth Brooks, Garth Brooks, Clint Black, Tim McGraw, Faith Hill. Tim McGraw, of, we we branded himself. But I don't yeah, know but what see, I don't know what he did, but he his songs are good now. In in my opinion, like, that's like his, fine. That's fine. It, but, I, I think after I think after hearing him with Neo on one of Neo's songs uh, on off his Red album called "She Is," it gave me a new respect for Tim McGraw because it was he was doing stuff that I've never heard him do. Like he was doing roles and kind of like, oh my goodness, you're black. <laughs> it, it, it had one it had one of those feelings to me and i was just like and then i started hearing more music from tim mcgraw and i was just like whatever whatever happened to you to get out the spotlight or whatever you came back with a vengeance and you clowned and i'm now enjoying your music it might have been good for other people back in the day but now i was just like your arrangements and your writings are like spot on now I don't go crazy to go buy his albums or anything. Right. But when I but when I hear him, I'm just like, you know what? He I'm like, he he really wrote this song. And I like the creativity on how he put the song together. 
and 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 that's a that, and that's a that's a fair statement to make. Yes. I can't really I I'm, I can't I can't say you are incorrect there. And and you know and like I I think I I've, I've said if any if someone has an audience clearly they're doing something right. Yes. But like I kind of feel I don't remember what comedian said this but it seems like modern country artists are are just pandering. And I feel like as a broad statement that is more correct than it mm-hmm. is incorrect. Um, I think that's why when I do buy country, but, I I actually when I go to the half price bookstore to buy like CDs and stuff, I do get some weird country albums because I've oh, yeah. never heard their art. I've never heard I mean, artists. And twenty sixteen, twenty sixteen saw the saw the release of two cool ass country albums. Two. One, Sturgill Simpson's A Sailor's Guide to Earth. Hmm. It the the cover looks very looks very metal from the last decade. It looks uh. like it should be a Mastodon album cover. Um but it is it is it is it is almost like an evolution of Lamb Chop's best material and Lamb Chop was a was a an indie rock country guy. Yeah. He 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 just he just wanted to do country music, but he didn't want to go through that system, so he did it the, he did it through indie rock channels, and his stuff is worth looking looking at. But like Sturgill Simpson's album is actually a really good microcosm of 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 that, and it's it's a very interesting listen. The other one is this uh, is this guy who I just became familiar with last year after hearing it. His name is Carl Blau. Um. And his album is called Introducing Carl Blau. This is I I tend to stay away from covers albums like the goddamn plague. Because a lot of them are a lot of them are terrible and a lot of them are just by the numbers. So they I mean it's it's like it's like when anybody on the internet writes something specifically for clicks. Yes. Like they're just going to do this song as it was done by the artists before without bringing anything of themselves to it. Just so everyone will be like, oh, I love that song. I want to hear him do it. Well, Carl Blau, not only does he pick songs that are like predominantly off the radar from certain artists, mm-hmm. but he he uses his voice and the arrangements to sort of put them in a new light. Um. And I mean, the centerpiece is probably his cover of Link Ray's Fallen Rain, where it's like a nine minute song. Um, it, but it's not it's not like prog rock nine minutes where he breaks out into weird solos like okay. six minutes in. But it, it's just it, he just sort of he just sort of uses space and and sparseness to really sort of convey loneliness in an interesting way. Um and like that's the sort of country I can really get down with. It's not like he's super reliant on steel guitar because that's how country music is. Um, there's no talk about pickup trucks or 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 women leaving me or my dog dying or drinking or or or, or well, there's drinking, but that's a different thing. Um, but. Like, I mean, the opener on that album, it's called That's How I Got to Memphis. And it's, it, it is, it, 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 
it reeks of that I lost my girl uh-huh. vibe, but the the story and I don't know who did the original, but the story of the song is his own folly rather than you know my girl left me because she left because she's gone now I can't hug her no more things like that um and I think th- I think the, the on those two albums you get a ni- you get a nice picture of of country music that will 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 make me listen now in the last decade 2000 to 2009 hank williams the third put out several really interesting albums one of which is uh is is straight to hell and while it's definitely you, you could definitely hear his father and grandfather's voice you know because he's from that lineage he's definitely putting out his own this is his own voice. He's not just yeah. trying to be Hank one or Hank two. And I think the, there's a, and you could probably find it on eBay or discogs, but there's a, there's a bonus track that is basically a 26 minute long. Um, it's basically a 26 minute long album in itself. It's, uh, very much in the way that the Beastie Boys did B-Boy Booyah Bays at the end of Paul's Boutique where they had like 15 songs put together in one yeah. just cut. And, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, it has etchings of progressive rock, but without the bullshit that goes with progressive rock. <laughs> um, it, it, he has, he has sound experiments, but it, it's not like he's there to say, "Look, I'm really artistic too." Everything sort of fits in a really cool in a really cool way, and and he has an anthem uh, about hating pop country, which I'm which I'm all right with. Um, <laughs> pop country is fine to me. I, and that's I, and and I, I appreciate. I love that you're so accepting of it. It's just I just there are a few things I draw the line at, and just that is that is just one place I will just not go. <laughs> I think I think sometimes when when you're just in a mood and you just want to drive, I think sometimes it's good to hear different stuff. So when pop country comes on and I'm just driving, I'll be like, okay, this is cool. Like, you know, you know what happens to me when 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 that happens. You know what I want to do. <laughs> that's what happens to me <laughs> do you know that uh so we're listening to uh b96 uh no kiss fm and you know they play a lot of pop stuff and on mm-hmm. fridays they'll they'll do throwback like throwback friday at like mm-hmm. 8 p.m so me and my sister's going to work and you know they're playing all these like songs and stuff and that comes on and we're at a we're at a stop sign, and then this white person in this car is on the other side. Turns around to see us because I rolled down my windows to cut the song out, and we're just like, "Because I you're doing it right, right now." And, right? And we literally lose our mind. That man looked at us like, "What in the world?" I'm like, "You don't know nothing about this." Just look out the window. Go, don't smoke Buddha. Can't stand Cess now. Now, if they would have played Super Sunday by JJ Fab, we'd we we oh, I, I, I literally 
<laughs> it's a different thing, and it's even better. I literally would, I would have been like, we're going to be late to work. Cause we um, don't... If, if, the, if JJ Fad ever comes on the radio, I put the car in park and I get out. I'm like, we're, we're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, let, let's get – okay, so – Transitioning to the discussion of hip hop that we, we mentioned, okay. our, we mentioned earlier, um, because uh, last last thing about the personal taste, my first rock album was Alien Ant Farm, and then my second album was Puddle of Mud. Wow, that's a bad way to come into rock, dude. <laughs> I, I mean, I asked for buying an album. Yeah, well, yeah, well, and I mean, really, that's late. Yes, yeah. you were almost twenty. Yeah, and those I, when, were, wow. when I when I got my job, when I got my second job, I should say, when it came to buying music and stuff, I was of course buying that Sam Goody because it was in the mall. Um, uh-huh. I, I I was still buying like R and B and hip hop albums, but I think I was just like I want to die. I want to get out of the the routine of just buying black artists. I want to buy just. I just want to buy music, and I think after I heard and, and at that at that time it was it seemed like. I mean the, it seemed like it seemed like, friends of mine, of color, were afraid to buy music outside of their own race, right, and 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 like and 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 I I mean. I think because I had been into, I mean, by this time I had been into hip hop for almost a decade, or at least I'd been buying it for almost a decade. Um, I was like, "What's the, what's the problem? You, you you want you get it? It's there. What's stopping you?" Right. And then, but then then you know later on you learn. <laughs> like when I was when I I didn't really learn it till about four or five years later when I was working at Tower. Where uh, one of the one of the dudes there he bought like some Pantera album, and then another guy goes, "Man, I'm gonna take your black card for <laughs> for buying that." And I'm just like, "Why?" Let me buy what he wants. But and see, and 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 you know, and that's just one of those things. I'm like, "Wow, maybe that was a thing at a time." It was, but because because I grew up in Iowa. I didn't know that was a thing and 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 also because I was going the other way with it. I was buying I mean hell the first I bought my first hip hop album at 11 and it was Boys in the Hood soundtrack. And then and then you know early later that year I bought like Marvin Gaye's What's Going On and I bought I think it was right about that time where I started getting super into Prince. So like I got signed to the Times and I was listening to that. My parents are like, "Why are you listen to Prince talk about people going from weed to crack?" Or why is he singing in that high voice saying if he was your girlfriend? You know, who, who's whose man are you trying to not take the place of? You know, and this is this is what happens when you grow up in a white suburban Midwestern family and you <laughs> and you have my music taste or my interest and your parents are just going, I don't know, man. You all right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and people were like, my sister was looking at me crazy because um, and this is how suburban I am. Yes, I brought S Club 7. After watching their TV show, I brought their CD, and I enjoy it still. And I, I don't care what you say, British pop, bubblegum pop, whatever. It was always about the music, and it just, 
it just sounded good to me. I was buying my own music, so you couldn't tell me. I'm like, if I'm going to buy Ashanti's new album, why can I not buy S Club Seven? You know right? that, that I'm, I'm shoot. I'm buying Ja Rule. I'm buying DMX. Um, I'm buying uh, shoot the Bratz album and stuff like that. Don't well, oh, let's get funkified, right? Like I'm, <laughs> I'm like I'm buying this, like Missy's album, Beyonce. I'm like I'm Destiny's. I'm like I'm buying black artists, but I'm like like I'm hearing something like blurry. I'm loving that song. I wanna I wanna play it. You know, I didn't really buy. Uh, the the method man and uh um what's the man. the rock one with the chocolate starfish oh oh limp biscuit limp biscuit like but that but no method man was on um he was on their album significant other was this in the, okay yeah um, but that, but uh, again equ- equally bad yeah, but that's when that's when rock rap started coming in. Like that's when you started seeing a lot of bright people get into white artists get into rock because and then you seen Lincoln Park. Now Lincoln Park's first album I don't like. Their second album is the bomb. I love Lincoln Park. Well, which album. What, now are are you talking about Meteora or Meteora? I think Meora was their second. Was Meora their second well, one? Hybrid Theory was their first. Hybrid Theory I, was bad. I, I like I I like that album, but I like the remix album of it better. Yeah, that I agree. Like like reanimation, I think is better, better. than hybrid. Yeah, Medi yeah. and like, but Meteora, I thought was I mean it it was all right, but it seemed like very overwrought to me, and I I bounced right off of it. I, I think, and the, then I've never really gone back. I, I think the tracks on Meteor uh, on their second one was just bad. I like they they third and fourth one, not so much they like. The, the, I know they got a new album coming out, but the album before that, that one I didn't like. It's just like you guys went in a whole different way, and I just do not like this sound. Um, I still uh, what's the rapper's name? Uh, Mike Mike Shinoda. Mike Shinoda yeah. yeah, I like his rap album. His debut rap mm-hmm. album is still banging. Like, yeah, it's. I mean, it's not bad. I th- I I didn't think it was. I don't think it's as great as a lot of people want to build it up to be i think it's to me is his rhymes are good or you know they're passable for some people i think his production is great and i think mm-hmm. after reading after reading his article on how many inf- instruments that he learned and play and how that made it to his first album uh it's just like wow like like you i'm like I, cause I kind of wanted, I wanted another album from him, but that didn't happen. And yes, I even heard the John Cena album, which is fine. Could, but you heard it, but could you see it? No. Uh, I said, <laughs> um, what was Britney, uh, Britney's ex-husband's, uh, Okay, Fed. <laughs> I heard that on the, uh, when, I, I, no, let's, can, can let's I, not no, mention no. that. I don't oh, want to no. get angry. I don't want to get don't, don't get, get angry. angry. <laughs> oh no! Um, I think AOL went on Tuesdays. They went. You be able to listen to their whole album before you could buy it. If you want to go buy it, they was doing that at a certain time. AOL was. That's how I heard K Fest, and I cut it off on like the fifth song, and then went back and listened. You to made the whole it five album. songs. Congratulations! I, I listened. I ended up going back and listening to the whole thing, and I was just like, "This is a waste of money." Who or whoever buy. But let's get into hip hop. How it changed. 
So <laughs> definitely, definitely in K-Fed, no. <laughs> definitely in the eighties. You know, of course, samples and you know beats and rhymes and stuff. Like we got Kumo D, LL Cool J, uh, JJ Fat, uh, Tone Loke, um, Public Enemy, Beastie Boys. Yeah. Uh, and Beastie Boys was big in the in the, uh, in the black community. Um, Eric B and Rakim, yes. Third Base, Run DMC, oh, Third Base, um, Africa Bambata. How's the pay didn't come to the nineties? No, they were ninety one, ninety two. Yeah. Uh, um, let's see. MC Light, I, we Slick had. Rick, MC Light, Big Daddy Kane. Okay. I mean, there was a time where Heavy D was a really good rapper. Oh, Heavy D is Heavy D is always uh, gonna be on my heart. Um, cause you know I got nothing but love for you, baby. <laughs> Why'd you bring up the worst song? No, uh, that's a great song. <laughs> um, I and like, oh, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think who else. The Fat well, Boys, Rob, ba- Rob Bass, and DJ Easy Rock. Yeah. Um, Will Smith you know, even, and DJ Jazzy Jeff. Yeah, Fresh Prince and DJ Fresh DJ Jeff. Their first two albums are are worth your time if you if you if you are into hip hop. Their yes. first two albums are worth your time. Rock the house, and I think the other one is Parents Just Don't Understand. Yes. Um. So we was getting a lot of East Coast uh, rappers. Well, West time. Coast didn't show up till later. Um. Like. I think 89 was probably when West Coast, I mean, 89, 88, 89, when yeah. NWA showed up. Yes. That was, that was the West Coast saying, hey, we're here too. And that's when with, the transition to like gangster rap. Well, way. yeah. Like, I mean, well, that was when you got it, you had it. I mean, hip hop was always gang mentality about it because either you were I mean in the early 80s either you were in Grandmaster Flash's crew or you were in Cool Herc's crew. Yes. And you know you were you were you were you were from Brooklyn or you were from Long Island. I mean Wu-Tang, you know, they ruled Staten Island. That's why they called it Shaolin. Um but on the West Coast you you had a you had an explosion of sound out of NWA. And then you had, you had two, um, two intense personalities in ice cube and easy E. And then you had a producer in Dr. Dre. Yes. Now I, I'm going to say it. Dr. Dre is a phenomenal producer. I don't think he can. I don't think he was a good rapper. Um, I think most of his best songs are 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 good because his production is top notch, and I think the the lines that were ghost written for him, but most of which are by the DOC, yes. are are good rhymes. Um, I mean, "Express Yourself" is still my favorite NWA song, and it will be for a very long time. And while it may not be the first ever diss track, I think Ice Cube's No Vaseline is probably the best one. And then, you know, you have, I mean, think about what NWA spawned. You you had Ice Cube's solo career, Dre's solo career, 
which subsequently brought forth Snoop Dogg. Yes. And, and that's when Death Row kind of came into play and initially yeah, took over. So you had Tupac showed up shortly thereafter. Yeah. And then you had you had even underground rappers brought forth by Ice Cube in the other two guys from West Side Connection, as well as Del the Funky Homo sapien. Yes. And you know, and hieroglyphics have kept Oakland hip hopping ever since Dell's first album. And that was 94. So that's like 23 years. Now they don't it's do December. things very, they don't oh, shut up. They don't do, three, five, seven, get loose. <laughs> I retire. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you had, you, I mean, there was a, there was like, of course things were going to change when you had, a a blast like that, yes, and 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 an, enough and enough people in the radius of that blast were interested in doing it too and able to do it well. And while it's it's sad that the East Coast West Coast turned into what it did, and we lost Biggie and Tupac and mm-hmm. plenty of others. And it was, and the East Coast was just trying to regain back hip hop. Well, um, in a way, yeah. And but see, like the the thing is, they had enjoyed more than a decade of uncontested territoriality. Like you know, if you wanted hip hop, you went to New York. That was just how it went. Um, but you know. they're as good as the East Coast was. It had to influence others. The yeah. the, the music got out, and, and, and just because you're not from there, I mean, look at look at Kanye West, look at Common. They're from Chicago. And see, the, the and we're gonna get into the Midwest because the Midwest was so balanced. Uh, because we had groups like Psychodrama, we had Crucial Conflict. Um, you know, we was listening to that stuff, you know, our own people in the Midwest, but we also was listening to, uh, the West coast. We had people listen to the East coast and mm-hmm. down South was big in, uh, in Midwest, like eight ball, MG, eight ball, MJG, oh, eight ball and MJG. Yeah. That was inescapable. If you have not heard coming out hard, like they debut Apple. If you have yeah. not heard, uh, looking on the inside out, like, uh, uh, lay it down. Yeah. Like, you no, got, I'm with you. like, like you tell the host to lay it down. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it won't see. And the thing is like, I think, in the Midwest, it was it was it was interesting because the things that took hold in weird ways were different than you know your Nas, your Dre, right. your Snoop Dogg. Well, people people love that, but like I actually think Coolio had more success in the Midwest than yeah. Snoop Dogg did yeah. because his samples were accessible and he was he was happier. But in the Midwest, like. We people I people I ran with got down to the first Outcast album. We did too. Like we love Southern Playalisticated, oh. and do I think it is as good as I thought it was then? No, because Outcast got better. But it's the aliens. But yeah, and, and then you know Eight Ball and MJG like that. It was just one of those. It 
was it was one of those things that it was super hard to to avoid yeah especially once you heard it like i mean you could hear people talking about it, be like oh yeah i'll check that out at some point but if you never actually went out and found it it never took a hold and like we we would we would be remiss if we didn't mention the fujis because yes. they were they were a way different thing and then you had to mention lauren hill's debut album you know at that time hip-hop changed but it i mean hip-hop changed sound wise but i think its methodology never really has mm mm-hmm. I think it's I think in terms of its scope and its breadth it's deepened and um and grown. But the one thing that I like about hip hop is it's still hip hop. Even now where you have, you know, stupid things like Lil Yachty uh, or 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 2 Chainz or Soldier Boy Tellum is he still around? I don't even know. Yeah, he is. But the fact that I have to sneeze. <laughs> I mean, uh, and, um. like, because the transition was like East Coast, um, then the West, then the South mm-hmm. took over, and mm-hmm. then it just became it just became whatever you want to hear because you was going to be between Death Row, you was going to be between Bad Boy, um, oh, Def Jam, Def or... Jam, um whatever uh, wherever uh like ludicrous you had him um and he was big and like he still have big albums and songs and stuff like mm-hmm. um you you had so much and then there be artists that you never heard of who tech like tech nine came out of nowhere mf doom came out of nowhere yep like there was artists that you and even some that was one hit wonders and stuff like uh the guy who did i wish i, I wish i was a little bit tall i wish i was Ski-lo. a skilo like represent riverside <laughs> like and even like nelly and stuff like and Jaru and DM like there was such a there was a, such a switch that when it came to hip hop definitely in the two thousands, it was just like you could listen to anybody who you wanted to and you would enjoy them. Uh Eminem came in and like we knew that lyrics were important and stuff, but Eminem came in and changed the game because he worked with Dr. Dre. So now you have a yep. white artist working with a black producer who's producing lyrical content that that made everybody be like, Whoa, I need to be on that level of flow. Like we had Buster Rise, but who else we go, who else can we turn to? Yeah, Jay Z was good, but I bet you we would listen more to Nas than we would Jay Z. I mean, I think I think Nas had more to say and uh, but Jay Z was better at saying at saying it. Yes. But then like and this was also at the time when Native Tongues was dying too. Like you know, Jungle Brothers had all but quit. Tribe Called Quest were on their way down and out. I need to listen to their last album. They, oh, oh, dude, it's so good. It's, it's I, so heard sni- good. I heard snippets of it, and I need to buy it. Um, yeah, that 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 last album goes hard, dude. But um, but Eminem, Eminem picked up, and I think in a weird way nowadays we're seeing Dr. Dre work with yet another one, and that's Kendrick Lamar. Yeah. I mean, Kendrick, and, and, Kendrick, and Kendrick Lamar is changing things in a way that 
he's changing things in a way for black rappers that Eminem did for white rappers. Like he, he, cause I mean, his pimp a butterfly album is essentially a jazz album. Yes. Without being, I mean, it's still, it's still very hip hop. Do not make a mistake, but his, his, his vocalization and the way he, and, and his messaging and just the sprawling, use of of dialogue and inflection throughout that album it is unparalleled Mm -hmm. and you know and i i as much as i as much as i do like kanye despite the fact that he's kanye um there's not there's not and there's not a there's not a rapper out there now that touches Lamar artistically, just like there's just like the way there's not much that touches Eminem from a flow standpoint. Yeah, well, Worst of Five Nine, but they're both from Detroit, so what? Worst of Five Nine. Oh yeah, but like, but in seeing you know, and I I used to get into arguments with with people at my last job about about hip hop, and you know, their, their main, the main guy that they always defended was Drake. And I'm like, Drake's not bad, but I don't think he's that good. Like if, like if I, if I give you DJ premier and gurus, like some of their albums, yes, gangster, you would look at Drake and be like, Oh, really? Like mm-hmm. gangster, yeah. gangster is a, it, it, which has gangstar is, Gangstar is Drake without the singing. Yes. And Gangstar is Gangstar. <laughs> you yeah, get... I mean, you know, the, yeah, 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 Drake is Gangstar with singing, except not as good as Gangstar. Yeah. Let's be honest. And, and um rest in peace, Guru. Yeah, Guru. And I have to give it up to Timberland for Timberland and Missy, genuine Aaliyah, um uh player um uh, um uh, 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 Magoo, like they when they came out from Virginia, they changed the whole soundscape. You know that it was a Timberland beat. Um, whether you heard the baby giggle and stuff, but you could, if you look at the lit, you look if you look at music and it comes to Timberland, he got hits upon hits upon hits. Like you could go probably from nineties until now that he's still making hit music, mm-hmm. you know, Pharrell and Chad Hugo, um, from, uh, Neptunes, uh, from Neptunes, they had a sound that you can hear and be like, wow, you know, Swiss beats had it with, uh, with rough riders. So you knew that, um, uh, Wyclef did it with the Fuji's and stuff, and even uh, well, well, Jay Dilla, he had a oh, he, shoot. Had, a, he had his own sound and yeah. changed the game. There was there was hip hop, and then there was Jay, Jay Dilla. Dilla. <laughs> and I mean, you know, an MF. I mean, even MF Doom with his inter- instrumental albums, he like had he had personality. He has personality in his beats, but. But man, fucking Dilla, dude. And, and, <laughs> and, and I'm and anyone who knows UGK, I think it's is it super bad. Yeah, is that is that their second one? Pretty sure that pretty sure that's it. Yeah. If you have not heard that album, 
Stop what you're doing. Pause this mm-hmm. podcast and yeah. go listen to that UGK yeah. album. We're worth coming back to after UGK. Yeah. <laughs> because, yeah, come back. Uh, come, well, come back and, and we're probably just going to be all disappointment after you listen to UGK. <laughs> I'll be real. I'll be real about it because almost everything else is. What? Yeah. Um, but there there had been a transition and and for now, definitely for me, it's it's hard listening to hip hop. There's a song called "On oh My Mama." I'm like, wait, what? Like, I, well, I can't, and like Migos and Little Yachty and Little Uzi Vert and Kodak Black, like all of they all sound the same. They're not saying nothing, and they be like, well, we don't want to be considered as hip hop. Then what are you considered as? Because I know people say mumble rappers, but I'm just like, well, I don't think Migos are quite in the mumble rapper because they're they're not they're not young thug or or future but i think migos's album culture is pretty good um and do i think it's like do i think it's lamar good no i mean i i'm i'm not i'm not that sort of delusional about it but i think there's like i i i i, I will admit i think bad and bougie's a pretty good song but it's a pretty good song in the same way that yeah, Zelda's you know, better than than Migos. But it, but it's it's a, it's the same. It's a it's a good song in the same way that Nelly's "Hot in Here" was a good song. "Hot in Here" was catchy. That bad movie exactly. is annoying. That that, and, and, see, that and, and, song sounds horrible. That that song sounds like. Guess what? We're just gonna throw some some words together and just, I guess sing about stuff that we they're gonna and they're gonna talk they talk a lot about cocaine on that album like there's a lot of cocaine happening on migos's album and but why but why why can't you not be why can't you be creative and write something outside of money drugs and and women well but but then you but then you could also look at a, a, a group like clips yeah, but guess they what? They wrote two amazing touchstones and of an guess album. What? And guess what? If I play Keith Open Doors versus Bad and Bougie, what you think? Who do you think gonna have the most? I hits? mean, I, that's not argument. That's not that's not the argument I'm trying to make here. But I'm I'm just saying, you know, if you want to, I wouldn't necessarily level that as the criticism. Well, I, do I think me? Do I, I think Migos's album is like smart or intelligent? No, I think, but I also think that they know what they they know what they do, and they just sort of lean into it. But I think I think Clips is creative with their cocaine raps. They were, they're you not know, and, and <laughs> right, and see, you can't say the same thing for Migos because I feel like if I listen to one Migos song, I listen to what your career is all about. You're not your career. I, 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 I listen to all what creativity that you have. So you are just being repetitive and monotonous. Throughout your, throughout everything that you said, so where is the creativity in your music? And that's kind of how I feel about hip hop now. It's just like you all sound the same. You all talking about the same thing. You haven't changed nothing. You haven't brought no kind of metaphors. Like I, I had to go back and listen to uh, um, uh, um, 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 if well, you buck. Okay. Well, here here's what here's what I will say. Um and this this was I mean, I'll just I'll just I'll just be a bit self-referential. When I did my top 20 of of 2016, 
Um, everybody do check it out. (laughs) Thank you. I, I didn't notice it until, until after I started writing it, but my entire top five was hip hop. And I think seven out of my top 10 were hip hop. And I think more than that, I think, I think it ended up being probably half my list was actually, was actually hip hop. Mm -hmm. There was a, there was some good ass hip hop released in 2016. And I mean, I think if you are, if you are interested in, 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 in creativity, I look no further. Like, I, I mean, avalanches was my album of the year, but I, and they are hip hop, but they're hip hop in a different way. And I think they're hip hop in a in a very non hip hop way. Okay. Because because they, they on this album they have they have rapper they have rappers like Danny Brown, Camp Low, MF Doom's on it, Biz Marquis on it. Danny Brown is awesome. I love his flows. I Dan, and he, and, and that, Danny Danny Brown's album from last year. It's it's you know it, I mean if put Migos off to the side, like you know Danny Brown's album. It's it's he comes from he comes from uh, a lifestyle that's very similar to you know the mumble rap stuff, but he's not a mumble rapper. Yes. He has, he has that, that motherfucker's got some shit to say. Yes. And atrocity exhibition goes a long way to, to, to providing a, a a gorgeous self portrait of that man. Schoolboy Q last year released. I mean, probably on my, on my top 20 list, Schoolboy Q is the one that compares directly to Migos in the fact that it is unabashedly street and it's not trying to it's not it's not trying to create a better statement of the world it's not trying to it's not trying to be like a dylan-esque metaphor it's not trying to do kendrick you know uh-huh. trying to say different things different ways um it is just a street album and it, it is an album about talking shit and rhyming um and it, it, it's a good old time um I mean Kanye's album as as weird and as weird as it is like there's a there's there's plenty to be to be gleaned from that mm-hmm. and a lot of it is good uh Tribe Called Quests uh album from last year like that that's a that, that is a motherfucker of an album uh, um Voices um, Voices the 59s uh Layers album is good and the one that he did with DJ Premier is good. I think they both came out last year. And the one regret I have about my top twenty list is that there, there it is the the glaringest of absences is a man named Anderson Pack. Um, if you have not heard uh, No Worries, um, the album by Anderson Pack and the producer Knowledge, uh-huh. it's called it's called Yes Lord. Um, or if you haven't heard Anderson Pack's album Malibu, both came out last year, and both are modern West Coast masterpieces. He didn't do so it, well on the WXL cipher. If you have you seen well, and, it, yeah. and 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 that's fine. That I, well, I mean, that's that's kind of a a whatever thing. Yeah, for me, because I realize doing that and putting out an album. 
are very different. Different. Yeah, I think you know you you could have you could have the you could you could not everybody can be Eminem and be able to battle rap somebody as well as put out the Marshall Mathers LP. Right. Not. not, I mean, you know, let's pretend for a moment that I have any talent whatsoever. You know where I want my talent to go? I want my talent to go to a catchy single that can keep money coming into my bank for the rest of my life, so I never have to work again. I don't want. I'm not worried about having to prove my credibility on the subway every time like tribe called quest was in the nineties. I'm not look that I'd, I'd rather just be like, you know what? I had my, I had my one hit. I'm out. Let's just save that money. Uh, and, and fuck little Dicky. I'm going to say it right now. <gasps> uh, yeah, I said it. I'm going to say it what? again. Fuck Dicky and line up Fetty Wap right next to him. Um, Little Dicky got some rhymes. Uh, what I'll give it to Little Dicky that he got some rhymes. It, it it might not all be good for some of his songs, but I'm like he is impressive. Like when he really gets on the mic and really just he's he's just very impressive to me. I'm I'm I think after hearing like Little Yachty and all of that all, all of that mumble rap garbage, when I heard hear Little Dicky, I'm like, oh, you're a fresh air of of rap. Oh, cause you, you're doing hip hop. Um, but, but that's kind of like smelling, you know, that's, that's kind of like smelling a, a, a bed of orchids right after, you know, you clean the sewers. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, cause Lil Yachty is, is not good in, in any respect. And the fact that he has like a platform where he can, where he can just say whatever dumb shit he wants to without having any sort of real point of view just because he has an audience. I don't, I don't like that. I mean, I can't say, I can't say, I can't say, you know, he sucks because frankly he's doing, he's already doing better than I am. He's doing a Target Uh, commercial. But exactly. And you know, I mean, at some point, you got to get yours, and Lil Yachty's getting his. Good for him. I got to get mine. You got to right? get yours. I got to <laughs> get Oh, I love that song. Uh, everybody, but everybody got their cups, but they ain't chipped in. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> but I just you if you if you pay attention even remotely you can tell when someone is trying to say something even if they don't say anything at all you can tell um or you can you can you can point to belief in in their actions or or something and that i think is still very much present in hip-hop and Mm -hmm. i think 2016 proved that it's not going away anytime soon so Whenever things seem like they're at the darkest, you know what that means? Dawn's coming. Yeah, but I think I feel like sometimes you have to literally look for better artists. Like now, like before you throw your money at an artist and stuff, you it feels like you really got to do the research. And I'm not talking about mixtapes or stuff like and stuff like. Yeah, the mixtape scene's real weird. It's yeah. real weird. It, it, it's I mean, like, I I mean, I love the fact that we got that you know the world was given Sade villain, mm-hmm. which is MF Doom rapping over Sade tracks. Um, but that that's that's not happening every day that's not happening every month right you know like you literally like i i buy double xl when i can i'll 
read read and listen to these interviews and watch them and stuff and if the artist is 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 if the artist is unappealing and not creative you know through their music what makes you think they're going to be worth listening to in an interview like and if they can't prove themselves in an interview and be like, well, I'm all about my music and I'm all about this and that. And you listen to them, you funny. If you watch their interview, read their interviews and actually listen to their music, there are two separate things. And you'd be like, mm-hmm. wait, you said you was all about this. But all I keep hearing about is you talking about the streets, you making money and doing and having sex with women. That, mm-hmm. don't, that don't resonate anything that you said in your interview or anything that I read about. So why should yep. I even even do that? Like I could I could say that about Royce the Five Nine. Because guess what? Royce kills the mic. He he is mm-hmm. so creative. And you know, if he talks about something different in his interview, you eventually gonna hear something about that in his song. Mm-hmm. He talks about his sobriety and how he and how bad he was drinking. And so, you know, you, what he talks about that, you can hear it in his music. And he talks about that. He doesn't stay about all I'm talking about is just making love to women. No, if he wants to do it on how raw he is in his lyrics, he's going to be creative. Like, yeah, you know, and you can hear that right now. If you go and look at a little Uzi verse kind of interview and one of the dudes asks him to freestyle the dude gives up and be like, this is hard. I can't do it. How could you not like, freestyle? Like, then like, then you, you, you clearly don't know where you're at or why you're there. Right. And he's not asking you to be a battle rapper. He asking you to freestyle. So you could come up with a whole, a whole bunch of flows about Pokemon. Exactly. But see, and then, you know, it all, it always comes. I, for some reason, whenever I see things like that, I always remember um, when Rakim released his album, uh, The Master, in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. And it was it had been forever since he had done anything. And, um, you know, it's not like anybody was ever, was ever questioning his status as a complete legend in the game. Because he's still my favorite rapper. But at the beginning there's an interview and he's like, so why are you, why are you coming back? What do you think is missing? And he says, well, the reason I came back and what I think is missing is this skills. And whether or not he was actually right at the time, I don't know. But the fact that he could do that and still do a rock him album, the way rock him does a rock him album at that time, and it still comes off as, you know, Rock Kim being Rock Kim. All right, I'm down. But because of things like that, I'm not going to. I'm I'm never going to walk down the streets of New York and bump into Rock Kim and say, "Hey, man, I bet you can't freestyle," because he's proven it on on time and time again. And I think you. I think at some level, you don't have to be a battle rapper, but you have to be able to freestyle. Yes. Like, I mean, because that is, that, I mean, literally, that is how you write a hip hop album. You start, you start there. 
and you know Chuck D and Nas and Jay Z have written their material, but my guess is they heard those beats before they had material and started freestyling to it and then just refined it. Yes, because that's what creating art is: drafting, editing, erasing, polishing edges. And with that, what do you say, Ed? We've been talking a long time. Yes. So, um, I, I'm give Matt, uh, you know, Matt's playlist and his recommendations. Um, I have one more portion, but we're going to skip it because it is getting like we, we've been going close to almost two hours and a half. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, the problem of Matt and Ed talking. <laughs> uh, so, Matt, give us um, just five albums and and their artists that you recommend and it could be a span over anything new old um something that you never think that you heard or anything just five albums okay um the my favorite album of all time and this always seems to surprise people is pet sounds by the beach boys if you want to listen to a beautifully orchestrated album, look no further. Um, it has some of the catchiest pop songs in history. And if you've never heard God only knows, you need to hear it. Um, it's a, it's a, it's still, it's from 1966. It is a perfect album. Um, my favorite album that I ever got to review is uh, Animal Collective's Mary Merryweather Post Pavilion from 2008 or 2009. Um, it is it's it's a, a modern electronic album, but the band itself sort of spawned out of that freak folk scene mm-hmm. from the early 2000s. That was very very weird, very very annoying, and. It, it, you you could almost look at it and go, it all sounds the same. Um, but that album is it was one of my favorites to actually write about. Um, my favorite hip hop album of all time is still Paul's Boutique by the Beastie Boys. Um, it is a virtual tapestry of late '80s New York, as well as some good ass rhymes. Uh, and it, it's really fun still, and it's it's really creative still, given as much time because been all it's been almost thirty years since it was released, um, and it's still it's still really cool. Um, the one of the one of the trends in music since the very late 90s has been the notion of intelligent dance music um whether or not dance music is intelligent or not um that's a different argument but i think the idea behind it was to create dance music that you didn't have to be at the club at where you didn't where you didn't have to be out of your mind on amphetamines, but you could just be at home at, at, at a, at a quiet moment and listen to dance music. Um, boards of Canada's music has the right to children is it's from 1998 and it is still the perfect example of, of that principle. Um, it's very sample heavy. It's, um, 
there are no real lyrics. There's no real song structure, but that, that album is a, a solid listen. And if you get, if you are listening to, if you're listening to a CD version or if you get it on iTunes, find the, find track, find the track happy cycling. That is a, it's the CD I have, that's the closing one, but it was like a bonus track. It's not actually on, like, it's not on the vinyl version that I have, but it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's a really cool little loopy, loopy thing. That's very head naughty. Um, is that four? I think that's four. Yeah, that's four. Then the fifth one is uh, an album I talked about on my vlog for NGR. It is Since I Left You by the Avalanches. Um, instrumental hip hop is a, is a thing that will always be in my heart. You know, there were, there are always, there are, people will probably always look at DJ Shadow's first two albums and um, Mad Lib's Beat Conductor series. As the sort of super high, super high water, super high watermarks for instrumental hip hop, um, along with like Jay Dilla's Donuts. I gotta ask you something when you done. Okay, but uh, but Avalanche's debut in the year two thousand, since I left you, is a beautiful, beautiful hip hop statement without any proper lyrics. It is built purely on samples purely on a lot of recognizable samples and easily findable samples, but they use them very much in the way that Pablo Picasso and Marcel, Marcel Duchamp used the found art principle. They repurpose these samples in really cool ways. And, um, I, I, it's, it's such a, it's such a good listen. It's 20 tracks of just solid, solid stuff. Check check all those out. Um, I just, I did not write those down. I pulled those out of my head. <laughs> have you heard of a art uh, uh, DJ called New Jabez? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, his instrumentals are still, um, even though he's you know rest in peace, even though he's gone, mm-hmm. I, I still go back and listen to his albums and his and his singles and, um for some people who heard my podcast know that I use some of his music for my intros mm-hmm. and yeah. breaks and stuff. And I just think I, I, I wish there was more instrumental albums like that. I like, I it's really, a, it's a hard thing to do. Yes. Instrumentals, it's, it's way, di- it's way more difficult than anybody ever thinks it is but, because you, know, you can't just create a loop. You have to create something that's worth listening to the entire yeah. The but, entire distance, but I I kind of wish it was more visible to go to stores and buy because they you just don't have a you don't have a section of instrumental hip hop instrumentals where mm-hmm. you could just really groove to to like natural head to to drive to or even clean or even freestyle or you know battle just like I guess I just wish that those DJs and people who put them together were more visible. So that wouldn't it be like, hey, I got a new instrumental out. Be like, oh, you do? You got an album out? Okay, let me buy it so I can support mm-hmm. you and listen to it. Whether it's good or bad or anything, I just wish that they had more visibility. But with that, yeah. everybody, that is the show. Matt, go ahead and plug. What would you like to plug? I, I will plug 
I will plug both of my podcasts. Um, they, uh, Corey keeps letting me come back and host NGR radio. And Chris keeps inviting me back to be a co-host on the platinum achievement podcast. Um, NGR, we actually do live video every Monday night and then the podcast goes live the following Monday. Um, Ed has been on that with me several times and we have gotten into many and many an argument and we've had many, many a good discussion. Um, and I, I look forward to many more. And, and the thing with our arguments, I, I always tell Matthew that I love him because I love him oh, so yeah. much. I, and, and trust me, our arguments and discussions don't end, don't, it doesn't, and to me, it doesn't end my friendship at all. Which oh you. no, like well, I'm connected see, to you for the rest of the rest of life. Exactly. So get and, used and to like, it. But see, that's one of those things that like I really like the art of discussion. Yes. And if someone I'm talking with doesn't eventually pull that sort of reaction out of me, clearly I have nothing to glean from them. And, and can uh, I can I tell you the discussion we were talking about indie games being third party or not? It's the, oh man! <laughs> okay, can 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 I offer you an apology about that because no, I because because uh only reason why I, I I'm, I'm apologizing is because I I have written and talked about that indie games are the new third party and uh-huh. I, and I think my thing was when we was discussing it was just like they weren't connected to a publisher. Yeah. So and when you think of third party publishers come to mind first. So that was my, that was my thing. So And that's and that's fair but like that was why I wasn't sitting here going Ed I'm I'm not I'm, I mean, you know, cuz the misunderstandings happen and n- neither of us are paid to know the right answers yes. in that arena. We could we we have room for error and for some reason I have a I'm I'm wrong a lot. But at the same time, you know, I I I will. I would much rather sit down to someone with a different opinion than mine and have a discussion. Even to even even that a discussion that kind of gets me amped up, and or I get the other person amped up because that's how ideas get exchanged. That's yes. when that's when things. That's when you realize you're at the heart of something when you start to feel it that way. So yeah, I'm I'm never gonna be. We could, you could, you could come on. You could talk about how why is everyone praising Overwatch for being always online, but no one's talking about Titanfall One. And I'll be like, Ed, come on, dude. Overwatch is just a better game. Deal with it. And he'll be like, but. And I'm like, yeah, you're not wrong. But and then you know, we we might build, we might escalate to a bit of a shouting match. Then we just hug it out afterwards. That's no, what our we'll escalate to is we'll talk about hip hop or some donuts or we'll right. <laughs> like right. like what time is but, but, but really Ed but really Ed the heart of the matter is Wu Tang ain't nothing to fuck with right yes. right yes. okay and and at this point in the show Corey's going Matt really we're doing this again <laughs> yes Corey yes. we're doing this again we always do this um, but yeah you check me out on NGR Radio um, NGRRadio.com I'm trying to write more often than I do but it's been really hard of late um check me out on the platinum achievement podcast where you can listen to chris and i argue about games or chris brings up penises way too much because he just he just does um 
I don't know, but he's me. And then follow me on Instagram. That's where I post a lot of vinyl or beer or just random pictures that I take. Uh, if you want to play games with me, infinite underscore rewind on PS4. Um, I am infinite underscore rewind on Wii U because that's where I am currently playing Breath of the Wild because I too. do not have money for a Switch. However, I will get it once the once the library is there. Um, how about so we, look? How about we get it when the system is there? <laughs> I think the system's there. I really, I really do. I mean, because here's the thing: if they're going to talk about, you know, no, I'm talking about being in stores that we can literally walk in and buy. They still sold oh, yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, that's a, oh, yeah, that's totally, yeah, that's that's the, that's what I mean. <laughs> I mean, they can't patch that in, but um, but like, I think, I think. Th- with all the complaints about the UI, I'm just like, oh, I remember the Xbox and the Xbox 360 and the PS3 and the PS4. And I remember that they all started shitty. So congratulations, Nintendo is doing what everybody else did. Started its online interface shitty. My hand is pointing right at my, my because I'm saying I amen. So, I am so glad Nintendo's it's, back, right? Right. And Matt is preaching right now. I, I'm pointing <laughs> at him be like, if you don't preach, if you don't say that word, say it. Where's the tambourine at? Look, <laughs> hallelujah. <laughs> amen. All right. <laughs> and you guys can find me on Twitter at that retro code. You can hear more of optional opinion at the anonymous radio network.popping.com, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, or any other podcast apps that you have. Um, you can find me on Wii U as optional opinion, on PS4 as Okamico, O K A M I C A L, on Xbox One, I am the lyrical one. Um, you can find my other uh, optional opinion blogs on IGN.com under anime E N I M E. Um, you can check out my other podcast world one one podcast at shoutengine.com if you subscribe to optional opinion on soundcloud you'll also get world one one podcast i'm sorry you guys i haven't been updating lately i need to do that so i do have uh episodes coming to update on that so if you have itunes and stuff and you have optional opinion it'll be coming on 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 there um you can uh, email this show at myop2comment at yahoo.com. I want to hear what you guys think about music and video games or what music did you grow up in the 80s, 90s, or even 2000s? What was your first album? Anything that you want to talk about that deals with music, whether it's video games, you created music, or more. I want to hear more about it. So um, you guys have a Send great- us a diss track. Oh, good. <laughs> oh, don't... Mm. Um, Send me a diss track. I'll take it. Well, a lot of people can't even write diss tracks anymore. So true. Well, you know, maybe maybe we have maybe the 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 next great diss track is in our audience. You don't know. If you're cannabis, then yeah, we'll sip your diss track. <laughs> cannabis, because right. that because that sex, dude. They was playing. Um, it was a second round knockout. Hmm. Dude, I was listening to that. I was just like, yeah, he got LL Cool J good with that one. And then he disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> well, he came back with another album, but... Oh, I forgot. You said he disappeared. Never mind. Disappeared. My, yeah. <laughs> the, 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 I agree. <laughs> but you guys have a great week. Have a great weekend. Thank you, Matthew, for coming on. Um, I am. For having me, man. I, we, we were talking about Horizon, and I should have... I should have taken it, but 
Matthew will be back not only to talk more about music on a later date, but also to talk about Horizon Zero Dawn. I, I think I've met the right person and we're going to get into that game because yes, Matthew, Matthew, what he told me just blew my mind. And I think when we both <laughs> finished the game, we're going to just dive in and just be like, where do we start? Like, yeah. like and everything. So with that, everybody have a great day. Have a great night or have a great week weekend. Whenever you listen to this podcast and I'm going to actually have Matt close this out. So bye everybody. But Matt close this out. Banana and out. And one more thing. <laughs> she could have played that a little bit more <laughs> I know I, I figure at some point we have copyright issues to worry about so peace have you heard my show <laughs> nope no I'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> and with uh, everybody we are out bye love you all banana and out